Hello, Legionnaires, and welcome to episode 161 of RPG Digest. In segment one, we read through a tabletop RPG to introduce it to you, and oftentimes to ourselves as well. In segment two, we provide higher-level overviews and fundamentals, even the occasional how-to of systems, settings, and game mechanics. I am John Maxliauschlo, your favorite curmudgeon, critic, and judge. Along with me, as usual, is the Joker to my Batman, the Loki to my Thor, and the Kender to my Dwarf, Brett. Ethan Dog Grismer. How are you today, in sir? All, in all those examples, I'm the dick. Yes. <laughs> but everyone knows you are, so it doesn't uh, make any no, sense. No, that's not true. Perfect segue. He doesn't even know I'm doing this. Uh, <laughs> let me open that up in browser. Let me show this over here. All right, let me present this. Share screen. Boom. This is from a completely third-party site. I, I don't know if I can zoom in on it. Oh, there we go. Heathen Dog is a walking red flag most of the time he opens his mouth. <laughs> but it depends on the source. It, it, that could be a compliment. So what I did this week is I went through and I was checking out different sites just to see how the TMNT Kickstarter is being received. And it's mostly positive. The typical things that you would expect, that's not positive about it. But uh, the complaint that came around us was, you know, we're alt-right, yada, yada, nonsense, right? And uh, so I, I had to grab that one because I thought that's hilarious. Because if anything comes out as us being alt-right, I get it if some of the wackadoodles want to say that I am. You know, because I am openly, admittedly, right wing. <laughs> you not so much. Yeah, you're the one that gets all the flack. And I think that is hilarious. Well, I, I, I think that because they say you're right wing and they expect me to be the opposite, right? I'm not the opposite. And they're disappointed in that. So they hate me more. Well, yeah, I, I, I thought that was hilarious. But then, then the other one was I got a few messages uh, about uh, and none from Kevin or Sean. But uh, I got a few messages about your com your question to them about race and gender swap that basically ended the stream. I know, right? That was awesome. That was not awesome. <laughs> oh, it was a little awesome. <laughs> I was expecting that. I wanted that. I wanted that. That was that wasn't a trap I fell into. That was a trap I set up, and I wanted to see what would happen. Yeah, well, we don't do that to people who are on uh, on his guests trying to promote i only had one person complain about the fact that heathen dog knows that this is about tmnt and not riffs right i'm like well we we're answering questions about riffs too but uh, yeah and i you know i hate anthropomorphic animals yeah but but they were here to actually promote that so we got to give them you know i know that i hey i gave them 90 percent tmnt shut up only 10 percent <laughs> other so but yeah anyway i i thought uh some of the reactions after uh Afterward, pretty cool is that I haven't seen the comments, but you guys have seen usual comments about Palladium Systems dated, a mess suck. I'm going to actually put out a poll this week about that, or not a poll. I'm going to put out a couple of uh, comments this week about that, because I'm not guaranteeing that he will or that he'll even want to. But I'm hoping Kevin probably wouldn't uh, you know, want to step up to that. And not, not that he couldn't. I'm just saying he probably just, just let that nonsense lie. But if it's possible to get Sean on the Veterans Day stream. Yeah, I want to. I mean, I he, talk he's already to expressed some interest in the in the Call of Cthulhu game. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Okay, cool. No, that'd be great. Well, I mean, if that's how he shows up, and he, you know, he gives you the time instead of me, I'll accept that. Um, what I was hoping to do, if he was willing to talk, was I really want to just kind of dive into some of the Palladium stuff that people just don't seem to understand. Maybe even myself. I don't know. But 
Because I think it's weird when people say it's cumbersome, and anytime I ask somebody what's cumbersome about it, they're like, can't find anything. Okay, that's not the system. Tell me something about the system that is broken. Crickets, 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 crickets. Yeah, okay. You know, nobody can say anything. It's dated. Well, what's dated about it? What, because it uses percentile dice? Wow, a lot of games do that. Because you use D20, well, guess what? The most popular, two most popular games in the world use D20s. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, so, uh, yeah, what is it specifically? And I cannot get an answer. So I'm going to put a, a little, uh, not a poll, but uh, I'll say a call to action uh, this week on YouTube. I'm going to say, hey, tell me your thoughts. Tell me why you think this. And like I did on our Discord, here are some non-starters that I'm not even going to entertain. Book is laid out poorly. Um, I forget what the uh, what some of the other ones were. Just things that don't have to do with the system itself. Uh, worst thing about Palladium is our organization. Yeah, but Sean says that he's working on that. And to be fair, if you look through the Cyberwork stuff, I thought it was laid out pretty well. I mean, that's a, that's a lore book, you know. But I still thought it was uh, laid out pretty well. Uncle have never played and only paired what others have said. That could be true. That's why, you know, if anybody posts something and says, uh, I can't find what I'm looking for. Oh, okay. There are no rules for X. Do you have to have a rule for X? You know, maybe some people do. No. That's fair. I mean, uh, for example, we've talked about it several times, the vehicle combat rules. Right. I mean, in, in, in every single book you could possibly get, they don't have the comprehensive vehicle combat rules. They just don't. Okay. And that's usually because in this particular setting it's not that important it's not worth the pages mm -hmm. because you know if if you are in say uh wormwood you're not going to get into a lot of car fights right it's it's a it's a high magic ancient type thing i mean you can bring technology there but there's not a whole lot of technology there to warrant you know vehicle battle rules it, it it's usually you know swords and spells and guns and whatnot no no one no no one no one's fighting off their atv or anything like that so tmnt needs rules for shooting manhole covers no <laughs> <laughs> we, we there's already interest in that <laughs> um yeah i mean and and heroes unlimited where you have a little bit of everything there are vehicle combat rules oh, yes. in heroes unlimited. are they comprehensive well that, again that depends on your definition of comprehensive but for me it's enough for me to do what i need to do to run the game yeah the, the vehicle combat rules in uh in heroes unlimited is more comprehensive than a lot of other palladium books because uh in the book itself is rules for building a super vehicle mm -hmm. and the more rules you have about building a vehicle, obviously you're going to have the rules for using a vehicle. And one of those, one of those rules is going to be combat. Cause that's one of the uses you're going to do. You're a superhero. You fight super villains. You're going to need combat. And if your entire shtick for your character is building a super vehicle, there's going to be a lot of vehicle combat in the book. So yes. And ninjas and super spies. Yes. Has vehicle combat as well. It's, it's not as, as uh, in depth as Heroes Unlimited, or especially Roadhog, something like that, but it is something because it is a uh, technological based super super book. You know, like where uh, 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 Heroes Unlimited is the same way, Ninjas and Super Spies. There, it's not like a lot of magic and psionics. It, it does exist, especially that dumbass cheese stuff. But a lot of the superhero ness or super powered ness comes from high technology gadgets, gizmos. And of course, 
ships and i wouldn't say that roadhogs has a lot of rules in it by the way it's only a 20 page book and most right, of it's but, new characters but and... all but the the most combat it talks about is vehicle combat i mean yeah, to fair. be fair that is yeah. true it was the vehicle annex to tmnt yeah yeah um so yeah but anyway i'm gonna i'm gonna put that out there this week i'm gonna see what kind of responses i get back you know uh, again not liking the robotech kickstarter or not liking uh recon or or whatever you know whatever happens to me that's not it's not an answer the answers are show me something in the system that is clunky or cumbersome that doesn't work for you and then i will try to address that you know uh, one person did say something i think it was actually was it omino was saying it on our discord something to the point of uh you know how many rolls do you have to make to see if an attack hits it's like well you make your attack roll you try to dodge it and maybe you roll with punch you know but all those things take actions that's you know i hate the term because it's you know a 5e thing but that's your action economy do you want to use the action part so literally none and i think he also said that well it's kind of weird that you know it's too easy to hit five or less well again that first of all, that's only melee combat because if you're at was it sixty feet or more or sixty yards or it's more, like, then it's, it's, it's like eight a, or it's an eight. eight or eleven or some nonsense yeah. like that. It's, yeah, it's eight, it's eight, and then it's eleven for the for the uh, aim shot or whatever, or thirteen mm-hmm. for any. I forget. Yeah, but uh, but uh, okay, so it's eight or higher, but you still have dodge. You know, you and still if, exactly if you hit with a five, dodging is going to be a joke. It's going to be easy. Oh, I got I got to burn one action to basically guarantee I don't take any damage. Okay, right. Because, you know, again, with rolling rolling uh, under a five, remember, ties go to the defender. So rolling under a five on a D20 with even minimal bonuses to, to dodge is hard. It's hard. So, so yeah, yeah it, it's 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 a give and take. And, and Sean actually expressed that, I think, when he was on by himself to some degree, if I remember correctly, is one of those where he talked about it. it's the only system out there that I'm aware of that has that kind of back and forth. It's and it's up to you. It's all about how you want to spend the game's meta currency, so to speak, in terms of do you want to, you know, take the action. Two dollars. Crafty says, It's Sunday. Have you tithed today? Yes. Thank you, Crafty. All right, enough enough about that. Uh we'll uh I've got a bunch of notes here actually since you know we've been gone for a while. Oh, been doing uh conversations here for a while. Uh, so today I'm going to be covering uh, talents and skills, and based on how the look book is laid out, next week is going to be combat. Even Doug may as well not show up. <laughs> uh, that's going to be a long one because not only is it the normal user engine combat. Oh no, we also have the advanced combat with the cards, and I have to learn that. By the way, why even uh, bother with the cards? Because that's core to the game. It's actually the core way to play it. Oh, gross. Uh, else I'd say, look, if you want to optionally use the cards, go ahead. But uh, uh, the week after is going to be magic. That's it. <laughs> because magic is uh, interesting. And then the the week after that is going to be journeying and strongholds put together um, in, in one episode. So there's three more weeks after today. So one month of uh, Forbidden Lands. Maybe one more week at the end of that. I doubt it. But, you know, just if there's anything we have to clear up. I, I don't really feel like covering equipment. I don't think that's important, but uh, if people say it is, then I will. Um, wow, I just dropped my uh, Kindle here. Uh, I have to. I know I still have to cover the Anakian physics book and how to use that in a game, or or how to relate that to a game setting, incorporate its magic and science. You know, it's it's pseudo magic, pseudo science, in with a game setting. Uh, so we have to do that for crafting gamer. I, I'm. I, 
It's been bothering me all year. First of all, thank you, Crafting Gamer. I appreciate that. Obviously, it's something you want us to cover. Uh, you've been a member, so that's cool. I do want to ask anybody else that, out there, though, please don't send me books. <laughs> I mean, I've got one from Randy I haven't read yet, and his is only like 10 pages. Randy from okay. Biggest Geekus. Uh, uh, I, I, don't, I don't have the time to read the books. I barely have time to stay on top of what I'm doing now, and it's not that I think you guys suck or you give me bad books. In fact, the Anakin Physics book is one I had in the 90s. But... Uh, and finding time to to read this stuff and put all this together is just it's a pain in the butt. Please, it's like last year. Remember, was it Omen Owl bought, um, uh, or he paid for the whole Conan thing? <laughs> and I yeah. felt obligated, and it was killing me. You know, uh, I don't want to be obligated to anybody anymore. So stop it. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so Veterans Day, you're still you're still working on the time for when you're going to do your game, right? That's pretty much it. Yeah, I, the, I just don't know what time it's going to be. I've got two people 100% in, two more that are like de time dependent. Okay. Like, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't, you have to get time first. I can't really commit to anything. I'm like, I get it. I get it. Um, and uh, another two possible. So I, sh I, what I want is four definites and two alternates. Just okay. in case someone has to jump out before we start or at the last minute you know nonsense like that life happens i want to have alternates ready to jump in but it's going to be real easy because no one has to make a character no one has to give a you no know, no one has to give thought to that i'm going to have eight pre-generated characters and y'all just choose what you want and then depending on your choices i will then make the adventure so everyone could get four Four, I'm not going to put four journalists. That's dumb. But you can get three <laughs> out of four journalists. That is a completely different adventure than three out of four cops. Completely different. So I won't be able to make anything up until people choose their characters. And I'm not going to do that till the stream. What was the name of the one you ran before? The mushroom one? Shroomfellas. Shroomfellas. If you guys go to our YouTube channel and look up Shroomfellas, you will find a three-part series where Heathen Dog ran Call of Cthulhu, what, two years ago? Year, yeah two yeah. three years ago whatever it was people liked it people had to go that played it had a great time they all talked positively about it people who've watched the video have actually said that uh, it's a good time as well so go check that out so if you're interested in checking out uh, call of cthulhu send heathen dog a message and let you know if there's still a spot and if it works out for the time frame because i have to know his time frame because i have to figure out what i'm doing for veterans day as well you know to, to work well, around I was waiting that. for you since yeah, you were yeah. you're starting the whole thing you tell me the time and then i can tell no no, no you, you because what you're doing is there's the most time dependent thing i can work around anything other than that so you let me know what uh what right. time they want to play on the so you'd definitely be on the 11th um what is the 11th is that saturday that's a saturday isn't it yes it is yeah so the 11th on a saturday so you know crafty whenever. says he will be available he's one of the ones that were on the fence because out of, out of his his work schedule is not normal folk work schedule he works at a car dealership so that's different yeah. but he just said that he will be available that saturday so sweet cool Awesome. So yeah, once we figure that out, then I'll start getting a schedule out there and start advertising the Veterans Day live stream uh, in support of the Wounded Warrior Project. Do, do, do. Um, I was talking with Heathen Dog a little bit about this before the stream. Uh, you, a lot of you guys have been coming up to me, and it didn't seem to be a big issue until this last week. <laughs> been uh, mentioning to me that uh, I keep talking about how next year we're going to have how-tos, but for the love of God, you've got all these games you want us to deep dive into, and you will murder us if Heathen Dog stops doing riffs overviews. 
Um, we only have so many time, so much time in the week. I can't even keep up with. So, uh, you know, I, I can't have a whole bunch of how to's and have, uh, the deep dives and have, uh, the overviews at least not consistently. So, uh, go ahead and post on our discord, what your thoughts are on that. Uh, do it in the RPG digest when the RPG digest channels made the suggestion one. Um, and let us know what your thoughts are on that, because that, that is going to guide. It's not going to determine, but it will guide us in the direction we want to go. I want to do how-tos because they have good YouTube longevity. Plus, I think, I mean, if we know something about these games, I think it's time to do some how-tos. I mean, the number one thing I've been asked, although I haven't been asked too much recently, is Palladium Vehicle Combat. How do you do it? Mm. Talk about it. You know, run through it. Tell, give us the how-to of Palladium Vehicle Combat. Okay, I mean that's something that you know we can do, but we can't do that if we're also doing deep dives and overviews. At least not yeah, that I mean, same. It week. has to be one or the other. It can't be both. It, it, well, not not in the same week. Obviously, it can't yeah. be both. Like the the uh, for for next year when when I do some deep dives, my 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 first suggestion was in the beginning of the stream where I could go through the entire coalition war campaign, book by book, and instead of fixating on the rules which you would have to know if you want to play the game from scratch. Instead, I'm going to be, I'm going to be uh, fixating on getting your characters immersed in the world, immersed in the campaign and getting them to move forward in a predictable fashion because this campaign has a beginning, a middle and an end, right? You have to follow it. Or if you go off the rails, you bought four books that you can't use now, right? So you have to keep, keep your cats herded and, uh, that's that's what that's what I'm gonna focus on because staying with the campaign is a better guarantee of a good time for your players than not. And then of course uh, the whole how to thing, how to create a Call of Cthulhu campaign, you know, at the beginning. How I do it is it the best way to do it? I don't know. It's the best way for me to do it. And if you like it, then hey, great. If you don't, then change it for you. Awesome. Yeah, and I would love course, to. I'm oh, sorry. Then, of course, there's the vehicle combat, and we have to pull that off too. Yeah, I mean, and there's different aspects to vehicle combat too. And and what uh, what I was looking for to do as you know, kind of like how I did with the uh, Coriolis combat, uh, where it's like this is how it starts. This is you know everything, everything involved. We threw a grenade, we shot some people, we took some injuries, we retreated, we did, you know, all the rules that are involved with that, how do you incorporate that for effectively what was the Star Wars, you know, episode four, you know, Stormtrooper breaking in, you know, scene, uh, just put it in the Coriolis uh, uh, rule set. So it's not just like, oh, just roll a drive skill and, and roll your guns. Like, no, no, no. Okay, this is what happens if you have a motorcyclist trying to ram into you. This is what happens if you got a car with spikes on it. This is what happens if you're leaning out going, da, 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 you know, and the other person's trying to shoot back at you, you know, kind of set up that scenario like that. And by the way, setting up those scenarios, while we can do it while we're running the game, to actually set it down step by step, think of everything through and try to incorporate literally every action that's possible. Well, okay, maybe not possible, but practical. During that scenario, takes time. Mm. It took me what is I think it was a week or close to a week, five days, if I remember correctly, to do that Coriolis one. And then I still almost made a mistake <laughs> that I had to correct. I remember that because I was scrambling on the last day, like, oh crap, I screwed this up, and that screws up everything going forward. So, because uh, because if we're doing it in a video, we have to get it right. It isn't like we can just say, well, that was a ruling I made at the table. Let's move on. You have to get it right. So, but let us know. Let us know in the Discord what uh, what you guys want to see for twenty twenty four um yeah i'm sorry i got a lot of notes but that's because we haven't done this in a while um next week is the member or this week this friday is the members only live stream 
God, again? Um, I know, we're already up to that again. Oh, let's see. Talk about the Anakim book. Oh! You know, I should do this. Remind me that I have mm -hmm. something to show when we're in between my segments and your segments. Okay. Okay. Like, I don't know, write a note or something in case I forget, because I have something to show. And if I look at you funny, I've already got it up. Oh, good. So, uh, talk about what is that? I already talked about that. I think, actually, yeah, that was that's all I need to mention here. Go ahead, like I said, go ahead and post on our Discord the thoughts there. I mean, Violence Was Everything, you know, had a good comment here. It said, uh, set up commissions. I'm sure some some people might be willing to pay X amount for a specific video, and if they don't, then they don't really want that video. Uh, my problem is time. Like, I mean, that sounds great. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to take, you know, people's money and give them what they want. I, and that's, that's how business works, right? But it's, it's getting the time to do that. Here's an example. I wasn't going to whine about it, but I'm going to whine about it now. This entire week was, wa nope, not wasted, was um, given to making YouTube shorts. I made four. That is it. Four YouTube shorts. Now, Heathen Dog is going to say, like, what are you talking about? You told me you can make, like, 300 in an hour. Well, I've only gone through 200 and something of the 400 and something short things, so the, the text. No. So, and, but, but, and but, but, I have found prop not a lot, not a lot. I mean, total number of real problems I found that were not subjective, but actually just objectively wrong. I think it's between six and eight. Three okay. of them were irrevocably wrong. And I just deleted them. But okay. the other ones I repaired. Out of the first two hundred and change, so no, no, but but this this was you're going to be okay. This wasn't no. You see, you're 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 getting defensive or something. It's not even about you. <laughs> it's because I haven't even started those yet. My point oh. was uh, like I, I expect you to say, well, dude, you told me you can make like three hundred of an hour. Why is it taking you three and a half hours to make four of them? Have you seen my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle shorts? It took me oh, yeah, with all the effects and stuff. Yeah, it took me three to three and a half hours to make each each one of those. So if you figure that's over 12 hours for just those shorts. And wait, for everyone's like, well, I can make those in an hour. Well, yeah, he could as well if he was practiced in doing it. The more you do something, the faster you get at doing it because you either get faster at the process or discover shortcuts to the process. So, yeah, if if you've been doing shorts longer than he has, which is, you know, 10 minutes. <laughs> Then yeah, you're going to be faster than him. He'll get there. Come on, man. I, I don't think I don't think too many people could have gone much faster. And here's why: maybe a little bit. I mean, the, working the actual application, I get it. Maybe maybe you could have cut off a half hour at most or whatever from that. But here's why: I had to watch that entire four hour live stream. Hmm. Then I had to figure out what point we we're talking about. Let's say like the one where we're talking about what's going to be in the book, and now I have to go through. And let's just arbitrarily say I have a 10-minute section of what they're talking about in the book. Now I've got a 10-minute section. You know how long shorts can be? 60 Less seconds, than right? one minute. Yep. 59 now, seconds. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I do 59 seconds and 25 frames. So out of a, on a 30, 30 frame per second video. Yeah. Um, just to make sure I'm under. Then I have to go in and I have to clip out every little audio video section of that to get the, all the ums and ahs and whatever, just so I can get it down, find out exactly what's relevant. Like, if you look at a couple of the videos, Sean looks like he's talking like he's staccato. I, 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 I had, because of how I had to clip it out. That takes time to find that stuff, grab it and pull it out. And I'm not complaining. I'm just letting you know, you know, where, where a bunch of time is gone. Uh yeah, I, they were fun to make, and yeah, then I threw in the animation, the effects, and and so forth. And there are a couple times where I had an effect in there, and I removed it accidentally, and well, too bad the video's up now. <laughs> like, uh, you know, things like that. 
Uh, but yeah, so yeah, the, what did I say? Uh, took three to three and a half hours for each one of those. That's a night. If I come home from work and I have to come home, I have to eat, talk to my wife, uh, play with cats, uh, you know, cl- clean some things or go out in the backyard or whatever for a little bit. Then I have to, you know, then I spend three and a half hours on that. Guess what time it is when I'm done with it? Bedtime. Bedtime. <laughs> so, so there we go. This again, this is not complaining. This is just letting you guys know why it's hard to throw in anything else. And I'm trying to do more shorts also. So, uh, says deep dives and how to's over. So you don't like heathen dogs overviews that he's been doing for segment two for the last year. Apparently and I, that's the way I sounded. Right, that was sounded really passive aggressive. I didn't mean it, it did. that way. I didn't it's mean it that right. way. I'm, I'm curious. So. <laughs> uh, Okay. How to's uh, at the top since played. Okay. Yeah, um, I might put a poll out there. Anyway, we have, I've taken 25 minutes. I normally like to do 15 minute introductions. Um, do you need to tell people about your week or no? Uh, nothing super special. Except for today, my, my uh, son is uh, going to the all state band competition. I don't expect him to win. But he got to go. Or is this one of those where everybody goes? No, no. You you have to pay a fee to audition. Mm. And then if you make it, then then you're part of the all-state band and you travel the state playing at events and whatnot. That's cool. Even uh, if he doesn't make it, no, competition is good. Yeah, no, no. Competition is good. I don't don't think he's going to make it because he's not good. I mean, compared to what they gave him for the audition, they gave him scales that and the, the notes go like three, three spaces above the top of the goddamn sheet of paper. It's that high. I, I could never hit those notes. He can't hit them reliably. So I'm like, that's not going to work out. And then the uh, two songs they gave him require style and finesse. He's 11. 11 year olds don't have those two things. They well, don't. Unless you're an Asian prodigy. Un- unless. Well, no, no, no. Prodigy. <laughs> Asian, you don't have to be a project. You have Tiger Mom on your ass every day. You're not going to eat unless <laughs> unless you could actually do this shit. So yeah, I haven't done that to him. So yeah, congrats. Well, if you know, e- even going there isn't it? Just like just like Max said, going there is an experience. Mm-hmm. Experience the competition. Experience you know everyone else around you. Like who's better, who's not. So that if he wins, everyone else sucks. That's the only way he wins because I've heard him. I've heard him play. <laughs> All right. So and you're not, you're not sure be... that your standards are just too high. No. Okay. No. It, no. No. I've 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 heard him play, and I've brought my my idea of what good is down as far as I physically can. He still doesn't meet the bar for being good. So if he actually makes it, that means everyone else sucks that bad. And I won't want to go because why would I want to put myself through hours of ear torture? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that seems ridiculous to me, but okay. Well, but I, I will on. be proud of him. Don't worry. I'm not going to tell him that I didn't think you were going to make it. It's, right, it's, it's, it's only public time, out there and everybody's clipped it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, whatever. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't watch this. Plus he's, he's, he's under 13 and all of these shows never get full audience. So who cares? <laughs> <laughs> there yeah so yeah that's it 
I just want to say thank you to uh, for the last couple of weeks here. We had Mark McKinnon on. Thank you to Mark McKinnon again for being here a couple of weeks ago. Thank you to Kevin and Sean for being here last week. Had a great time. Uh, seems they had a great time as well. Um, Venger two Fridays ago, and then uh, Alexander um, McCreese, Keep I'm so you saying Macris, but his name's uh, McCreese. Uh, was on on Friday, and that was such an amazing show. And it, I wouldn't say it was like my favorite show ever, but what I got out of it exactly what I wanted to get out of it. Everything you would ever want to know about Adventure Conquer King Imperial Imprint, whether you're a player, whether you care about the adventure side, the conquer side, or the king side, or you're a game master and want to under, you know, talk about some of the world building aspects of it, what you can have, like how deep that game can go, but he convinced me that it is all modular and you just choose what you want. Every aspect that you would want to know about that game, he talked about. He was here for four hours, his voice dang near gave out. Um, <laughs> he was ready to go and we were done, but it was absolutely a fantastic time. Like, like you don't have to, seriously, you don't have to watch any other videos. Now, go watch uh, Mr. Max Boy Go watch the basic expert. You know, we like those guys. But I'm just saying, if you want to know everything about Adventure Conquer King, boom, we covered it on Friday. Boom. All right, let's... um. Let's get into this. I don't want a long episode today. <laughs> Excuse me. I thank all you wonderful people who support us monetarily. Your gracious donations help us provide giveaways, produce more content, and generally give back to the Legion Myth community as a whole. We now are over 4,800 YouTube subscribers, and we are thankful for each and every one of you. As a reminder, and I'm probably going to stop doing these reminders for a while, but... Uh, at 5,000 subs, I have a fairly big giveaway called Here, Have Max's Crap! giveaway as well as some gift cards for international viewers by the way i just added two more games to the list that i'm giving away a three book series of uh adventures dark and deep which is another osr uh i know what gygax was thinking type game and I, I i know you can pretty much get this at cost but since i never used the book and i don't ever plan on using the book even though i like the guy uh basic fantasy i added that to those are now gonna be part of the giveaway as well so there we go Basic fantasy is good. I have no problem with it. No, I have no problem with it either, but I have no intention of, like, I don't need it for anything. That's the thing. I'm going to run D&D. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm holding on to things that I can use for uh, building adventures. I need to have something about the book that I can keep. Look, I'm keeping Battlelords of the 23rd Century, 7th edition, because of the space oh, combat wow. in it. Oh, all right. Wow. It's, the only, it's the only version of, of uh, Battlelords that has space combat. So I'm keeping that one. So if I have a book, I have it for a reason. So uh, anything that I'm just like, I don't need basic fantasy at all. I don't need adventures dark and deep at all. Just don't need it. Not that they're bad games. And that's why I'm hoping to give it to somebody like you out there that can actually give a good home to it. That is if you live in the States or APO, FBO, because again, international, it's going to be you know, gift card. We believe that role-playing games should take place in fantastic worlds. The focus of the game should be on role-playing and having a good time. The core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not represented. Why am I doing this? We don't do this anymore. I was wondering. Uh, I yeah. thought the videos broke. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah no, we don't do this. <laughs> like, we do the thank you, and then we call. Like, uh, well, I, you know what? I am going to say something about this. Organic inclusion. So we got a couple messages over the last week talking about... Uh, one said that uh, that doesn't make any sense. Another one said, well, that was a passive aggressive. I was going to follow your channel but until you had that passive aggressive message on there. What even is forced diversity? Nobody does that. And Everyone I would just, does that. <laughs> I would just say <laughs> you might want to check out Twitter 
And I know, hey, maybe this person is actually a cool person, is not on Twitter, isn't on EN World, because that's literally where I got it from was EN World and Dicebreaker uh, had, uh, this is like, what, two years ago now, but it was there, a message that said, if 50% of your table is not uh, LGBTQ plus IA, whatever, or BIPOC, then you need to leave that table and find a new one. Yep. That's called forced diversity right there. Yep. And here, here's another one. But before COVID, I think it was 2018, 2019, uh, in that in that time frame, I went to the uh the game, the games hobby shop near me. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna start a campaign. Fuck it. I'm gonna I'm gonna got their got their bulletin board, you know, pegboard, put it up there, boom, you know, get get players. And uh, I was trying to set up time and 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 a table with the owner like okay fill this out and part of it was how many people of color how many how many disabled people how many... where was like, this this was at the at the game shop like five miles from me oh wow and i'm like why does this matter i was like i just want to know i'm like no it doesn't I... you want their social security numbers too no man well then i'm gonna have trouble running it well bye and I left and I never came on my back. Yeah, that's way to. So I've hit it in wow. real life. Just that one time, mind you, just the one time. But the last time I ran a table at a, at a game shop was like 10, 15 years ago. So, you know. Yeah, that wasn't my norm either. I didn't do the game shop thing. What I do is I'd usually find a group at a game shop and then run my own games. Like, oh, you know, like in the you dorms that, yeah. or, or yeah. you know, elsewhere at my. Yeah. So. All right. Well, oh, my God, we are running so late and it's my fault. So. Get everything ready to go here. Slide that over. Where is my book? Where's my book? Hey, where'd you go? I'm still here. No, not you. The stoop. There it is. StreamYard. The tab didn't go into my browser. It decided to go behind my browser. All right. So you've got chat. I've got the book. Screen that bad boy. And here we go. All right, for segment one today, whew, we're back to talking about games again. So those of you have been looking forward to these videos, sorry it's taking so long, but we are back talking about Forbidden Lands. And for this first one, we're going to talk about the skills in Forbidden Lands. And this is going to include how to roll the skill dice in essentially the Year Zero Engine. Now, if you've watched any of the other ones, any of the other Year Zero Engine games that we've done, it's going to be basically the same with just a couple of really minor tweaks that aren't going to be hard to understand at all, but we'll get to that in just a moment. We believe that role-playing games should take place in fantastic worlds. The focus of the game should be on role-playing and having a good time. The core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural, organic inclusion, not forced diversity. The charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, a national nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Please refer to the description below for the link to where you can make your hopefully tax-deductible donation. Join us Thursday and Saturday evenings on twitch.tv slash legionofmyth to watch Heathen Dog and his team of dirty casuals play multiplayer games for your mockery and enjoyment. Here on our YouTube channel, you can watch these game-related segments live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Central Time, or check out the Friday Night Chill stream where our panel of guests opine, comment, and editorialize on the TTRPG hobby as a whole. 
please like this video and leave a comment to appease the algorithm gods. Share this video on your favorite social media platforms to help us peer out of the shadows cast over us. And if you have not done so already, please subscribe to Legion Myth for more tabletop RPG goodness. All right, there we go. There's our wonderful cover on the screen. And now let's go find out where the skills are. I forget, is this a PDF? Oh, that's right. This is an updated version of book two. Um, skills. Can I click on it? I mean, there's links. Oh, look at that. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh oh, oh, okay. What's that? Uh, it, it disappeared for a second. I was worried. Oh, so there we go. We got skills. So how do we roll skills in Forbidden Lands? Again, if you've watched the other user engine rules, you pretty much know how this is done. But let's see what's different about Forbidden Lands itself, and let's dive into it in case this is your only video that you've watched on this. There are 16 skills in total in the game. If you remember, Mutant Year Zero had 12. I forget how many Coriolis had, but they were broken down differently. This is closer to the Mutant Year Zero side. At 12, this one has 16. One additional one per attribute. So instead of having three for strength, three for wits, etc., it's got four for strength, four for wits. Uh, every skill is connected to one of the four attributes, strength, agility, wits, and empathy. When you perform an action, you first describe what your player does or says. Then you grab a number of six-sided dice equal to your skill level plus your current score in the attribute. So if you have a three strength and you're doing, uh, well, let's, what is it? Is it melee combat in this one? Um, or is it what? I forget the name of the skill already. Oh my God. Well, let's use a, what's the dexterity one? Agility. Let's use agility and marksmanship because I know that one. If you have three in agility and three in marksmanship, you roll six dice. You roll three base dice, three dice, four the, uh, the agility, and then three skill dice for the marksmanship skill. And then if you have gear that helps you out, you add in, so let's say you have a, a bow plus that gives you plus one gear die. Well, then you add one more die into that. Three plus three plus one is seven. You'd roll seven dice. And of course, for that, you want to get sixes. Now, one thing I'd caution is don't roll dice until the game master tells you to roll dice. This one just says you describe what your character does, grab some dice, and roll it. I think there's a step missing out of here, which is uh, you describe what your character does or says, and then if the game master says roll dice, you do. If not, you keep going up. No. Sixes mean success. Now, I would like to say that everything you roll in this game are D6s, but this one has a concept known as artifact dice, which we'll get to in the end. And do I have them here? Oh, that wasn't it. That one. That one. Oh, here we go. So artifact dice, I think I showed them off once before, are D12s, D8s, D10s, and so forth. And I will show those off in a minute. Hopefully my cat doesn't eat that. If you get swords, that is a six. This is if you have the specialty dice. If you don't have the specialty dice, just look for the six. And if you roll more than one six, you get extra or additional effects. So you have multiple successes. Now, ones can wear you down, but here's the thing. Ones only wear you down if you push your roll. And we'll get to push roll in, in a little bit. So rolling a one on your core dice means absolutely nothing. All you're looking for are those sixes. If you get three sixes and three ones, nobody cares. The sixes are all that matters. Now, dice of a different color. It says whether a certain die you have rolled originates from your attribute, your skill, or your gear, gear may be important. I, I wouldn't even say may. It is important. Get that over there. It is important. For that reason, you should use dice of three different colors. Now, why is it important? Heathen Dog, do you remember why it's important to have those dice delineated by the colors? Well, from uh, from other Year Zero Engine things, uh, rolling a one 
in a in a gear dice, in an attribute, and in, in a skill has has different effects depending on the on the game you're talking about. So you have to differentiate which dice got a one, which dice got a six, so so you know what to do after you roll the dice, what what other actions you have to take. Your yep. your gear could be damaged, your your attribute could be damaged, but from what I understand, most games your skills cannot be damaged. You just correct you don't you don't you don't you don't get brain damage from failing to pick a lock. So <laughs> if you get brain damage, that would be on your attribute die, not on that your would be on your life. attribute die. Yeah, you you don't you don't suddenly forget how to pick a lock or something like that. So yeah. So he got it exactly right. If you uh, you want to delineate them, and this is why the specialty dice are helpful, because for example, this one has a six, and you can hopefully see the little sword there. If not, well, mm. but it has a. It doesn't have a skull. It has a one. Well, this tells me it's a skill die because you can't hurt a skill. Now, if I grab one of the other ones, which I'm not going to do, uh, you'll see a skull on there in, uh, instead, and the skulls are bad. So uh, the dice. Uh, the dice from the attributes are called base dice. The, the dice from the skills are called skill dice. And dice from gear are called gear dice or weapon dice, specifically for weapons. Now, and they have custom dice. Uh, don't worry about that. Now, what if you don't have the skill? What if you're smart, but you don't have the skill? You, you, uh, or let's use what we were using before. Let's say you have an agility of three, but you didn't take marksmanship. You, were, you went another direction with that. Well, if you don't have the skill required for the particular action you want to perform, you can roll anyway. Simply roll your base die and any applicable gear die. So if you have three agility, zero marksmanship, and one gear die, how many dice are you rolling? Three, one, four. Yeah. So there you go. All right, and there's an example there. This book is pretty good about examples. And uh, the art of failure. We'll get okay. Yep, art of failure. If you roll no successes, something goes wrong. For some reason, you failed to achieve your goal. Feel free to elaborate on why with the help of the GM. She might even let a failed role have further consequences to move the story forward in a dramatic way. Notice that this is a little more forgiving than Mutant Year Zero, which said you can't just say nothing happens. Yeah, something something bad's got to happen when you fail. Yeah. Now, Here, how bad is it going to be? That's up to the game master, but something has to happen. You can't just fail. There's no such thing as just failing. Except no, no, in the that, that was in the original one. This one's a little nicer. Yeah. This one says you can do that. Remember, you mean your zero says you do that. <laughs> so this one, if you just want to say it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But you can't try again without changing the environment, without changing how you're doing it. It's like, well, if I failed to climb the wall, I'll just roll again to try to climb. Like, no, you have to do something different. Like, did you try doing it with bare hands and now you want to do it with a grappling hook? Okay, that changes the environment, but you can't just try again. Now, this is a, a more story type game, so failure must not stop the story completely. Even when you fail, there must be a way to uh, to continue on or forward here. Uh, perhaps at the cost of time, risk, or silver, but still a way. The GM is a final say in the consequences of failures in that particular situation. I don't want to say I disagree with that. I think that's a st that's a paragraph when I've talked with people about it that uh, makes people instantly say it's a story game. Well, let me tell you how I do it. Um, that failed, but there might be another option. For example, you failed at uh, you failed at the climb, but maybe you can beat your way through by killing the nasties that you didn't want to have to fight, that you were trying to bypass. There's another way. The story isn't stopped, but you're going to have to think of something else. Or, you know, through player chicanery, maybe they find a, a new and interesting method out there, like how Crafty handled my uh, my module, which is in the description below, that uh, you can get four Forbidden Lands. 
he can, or I think it was his daughters completely solved that a, a way I had never even thought of before. I was like, okay. Yeah, they, they cheated. I don't know if I'd call it cheating, but uh, it was, it was, it was definitely a Captain Kirk moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so 16 skills. Let's look at them real quickly and we'll get to them later, but you have four strength. Now the one additional one here, if you're used to the other user ones is crafting falls under strength. So you have might, endurance, melee, and crafting. You have stealth, sleight of hand, which is the new one, move, and marksmanship. Scout, lore, survival, insight. Uh, I don't like the insight skill because I think it's misnamed. I get why it's named that, but insight is used to counter manipulation. Basically, mm, I think he's lying to me, or oh, I think something's fishy here. Or um, I know better than that. Yeah. Uh, I kind of wish it had a different name, but at the same time, what would you give it? And I'm, I'm not going to quibble over that, but uh, that, that's what insight is for. And then down here, manipulation, performance, healing, and the new one, animal handling. So because you are going to have uh, druid-type characters, you're going to have ranger-type characters, or the goblin wolf rider. All right, let's, uh, let's move on down. Now, you failed that role. You're like, oh, I failed, so I'm screwed, right? Well, you've got an option. If you are desperate to succeed with a skill roll, you can choose to push it. This means you grab all the dice that did not come up as a six or a one and roll again. Oh, by the way, uh, the symbols are more accurate than the numbers in this case of the rule. Because remember, skill dice don't have a skull on it. No. Do you re-roll this die? If it comes up a one, if you're going to push your roll, would you re-roll this one? Um, I'm thinking yes, but I also think it's a trap. You do. You do re-roll okay. that one. No, no, no. I, I'm not sure. I wouldn't do that. Um, can I get a non-skill die here? Here we go. So this one, for example, the one has a skull on it. It's probably sideways or some nonsense. You don't re-roll that one. You don't re-roll the skulls and you don't re-roll the swords. Why would you re-roll your... Or, yeah, the, the ones that are already successes. That's weird. Don't do yeah. that. I get that. But yes, you, you would re-roll those skill dice. Okay, and, and roll again. And so you get a chance for either a success or more successes. However, if you get a one, and we'll get to that in a moment, you cannot choose which dice to re-roll. You pick up all the ones that did not get a skull or a sword. Right. If you have the specialty dice. Or in layman's terms, uh, any base die or gear die that got a one or a six, you do not re-roll. Any skill die that only got a six, you do not re-roll. Re-roll all the others. Uh, you are allowed to push rolls even after an initial successful roll, but only if rolling additional successes will increase the effect of the roll in some way. Well, that's kind of almost universal. Well, you can always I, do more I, damage. Yeah, I understand why they did that. You already won. You're just wasting time now because you, you want to win better. Come on, dude. Yeah. Well, there are other we, people at the table. I guess, you know, good point, because if you're just talking a climbing test, you made it, you know, who cares? Yeah, but I, 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 don't, I don't need to, like, flip up and look cool like Spider-Man. Like, no, you don't need that. Right. Just shut your hole. No, yeah, good point. I was thinking on the combat side, you can always do more damage or knock somebody down or whatever, but you're right. How push roll plays out in story terms depends on what kind of action you perform. It doesn't have to be physical effort. Might be about a complete mental focus or emotional struggle, and that's why you have the four attributes of strength, agility, wits, and uh, empathy. Yeah, remember in the Year Zero engine, there's not just one type of damage. There's physical yeah. damage, mental damage, spiritual damage, 
yo mama damage. There's lots of it. <laughs> There's lots of it. So all of it is tracked differently and has and has different detriments. I'm being pedantic for a moment just because I know somebody will put it in the comments if I don't. Uh, Heathen Dog made a small mistake when he said year zero engine because year zero engine changes from game to game. But in Forbidden Lands and in Mutant Year Zero specifically, and Vason, what he said is correct. Coriolis is a little different, Twilight 2000 is a little different, but the, uh, you, you damage the attribute. And those of you who watch our Coriolis videos will know you don't damage attributes there, right? Now, I'm glad to see, I don't know if this was in the, the first printing of the game, but I'm glad to see it, because this confirms what I was saying a moment ago. When you push a roll, once from the skill dice, do not count as skulls, and can be re-rolled even if they do come up as one. Uh, gear dice, uh, you only once again, we already talked about that. Now, skulls are activated. What happens if you get those skulls? Well, let's find out. For every skull you roll on a base die, you suffer one point of damage to the attribute you used. So if we were using the agility uh, marksmanship idea that we were talking about before, if you get a skull on your agility base die, you take one point of agility damage, and from this moment forward until you're healed, you're only rolling two agility dice, not three agility dice. And if uh, for every skill you roll on a weapon die or a gear die, your weapons bonus or the item bonus is decreased by one. <laughs> That's a good one. What? Emotional, Emotional damage. damage. Uh, there's a chance of success chart for weirdos who want math. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah, this is an important. This is new to this game. I think it is anyway. We didn't, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think you had to do this in Mutant Year Zero. Willpower is what mages use to cast spells. I, I say that now, even though we haven't really talked about them and we won't talk about magic for a couple of weeks, but I want you to think this through right now. You need willpower to cast spells. Sure. Right. To push yourself to the brink of your abilities is risky, but it can also have positive effects. It gives you the force of will required to use the powerful kin talents and profession talents. Not all of them, but a lot of them do require willpower to use. For every skull you roll on the base die, weapon dice do not count, just the base die. When you push, you get a willpower point. I'm letting that sink in for a second. I get it. I get it. The willpower point. No, no, it's just, just general. Uh, the willpower points are required to use your powerful kin talents and professional talents. So you have to be a masochist in this game. You can gain additional willpower points from your stronghold, mark willpower points in your character sheet. Now, to be fair, I have not run a campaign. I've only run sessions. So this is not something I've run into. So in my experience, the only way to gain willpower is to be a masochist. But if you're running a campaign, yes, you can get willpower from your stronghold. You know, rest and relaxation. Now, oh. this this is, uh, it sounds different, but the, the mechanic from many other Year Zero games is the same. I mean, uh, other other game systems call it different things but in in every year zero game system if you sacrifice something you get a chit or a or a coin or a pebble or a <laughs> some some kind of thing which you can buy later something cool in in this case it's you know a, a more high power ability but in, in in other cases it's you know free reloads or you know oh i found this in my bag how lucky you know stuff like that but the, the mechanic well, you, you is still you still the get the, you still get that what what the reason why i was mentioning was mentioning that is when we get to talents in the next video you're going to actually see that talents in this game 
are a little bit different than than they are in like Mutant Year Zero or even Coriolis. First of all, just as a spoiler, there are three ranks for each talent. So you start at rank one and then you elevate it to rank two and then elevate it to rank three. So they become pretty powerful. So if your characters are allowed to use their talents 24 by seven, dude, they would be, yeah, they'd be superheroes pretty quickly. But having a couple of superhero abilities that relies on spending willpower points, you know, that's manageable. That's heroic, I guess is what I'd say. Okay, when you face a challenge with your fellow adventurers, you don't roll dice separately. Instead, you choose who among you is best suited to take on this challenge. You decide who this is. The others may help if it's relevant to the situation. Now, there is a max number. If the roll fails, it counts as a a failure for all of you. You're not allowed to try one time each. (laughs) You know why they put this in here, right? Yeah. Because players are jerks. (laughs) Exactly. They're going to have a conga line of, we can't fail. Yeah, exactly. This rule does not apply in combat where each adventurer is free to attack any enemy. Like, all right. Um, sometimes external factors help you to succeed. This gives extra skill dice to the role. Other times, things hamper you. Let's just look at the chart. Oh, okay. Modification plus one means you roll an extra die. Skill die. I should actually, that is an important point. A modification plus one means you roll an extra skill die. Plus two means you roll two extra skill dice. Now, why is that important? That it's skill dice. Because skill dice uh, react differently with with uh, ones and sixes as compared to attribute dice or equipment dice. Exactly. And negative dice are the same thing. You have a negative modifier. Uh, you you minus dice. Now, what happens if you get uh, if you run out of dice? Let's say uh, you have um, we we this I don't think this would ever happen. This is a really big modifier, but let's just go with it. You have three you have your three agility and your three marksmanship, and for whatever reason, you're at minus four to attack. You only have three skill dice. What do you do? I don't know. Take them away away from. Take away from your attribute die. Really? Yep. Continuing on with helping. Other PCs or NPCs can help you succeed at a skill roll. This must be declared right away before you roll your dice. So he can't fail. No, no, no. no, I'm going to help him now. Well, it's a little late. You just watched him fail instead of helping him. Good job. Yeah. Before he, you have to help him bef- lift that rock before he has the hernia. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that's important. That's important. <laughs> Linear time sucks, perhaps, but we live there. So, right. Uh, must also make sense to the story. You can't have four people helping you if four people can't physically fit in that location to do so. But for each person helping you, you get plus one to a maximum of plus three. So, okay. You can only have three people helping you. Whatever. And there's an example there. All right, let's move on. Opposed rolls. Sometimes rolling a success just isn't enough to succeed. In some cases, you have to beat your foe in an opposed roll. An example is what I mentioned earlier, which is he's trying to manipulate me, and I'm trying to say, I think he might be lying with my insight, right? So he rolls a manipulation test. I roll an insight check, and whoever gets more successes wins. What Does the defender tie? Uh, I'm going to I think Defender does win ties, but let me verify that through reading it, because I'm sure it's going to okay. be in here. Uh, sometimes you and your adversary roll for different skills, sometimes the same. Uh, well, the example I gave was, was different skills. Yeah. Opposed rolls are common when you manipulate or use stealth, and when some of those skills are used against you. Someone uses those skills against you. The GM can also use opposed rolls when she deems appropriate. You know, the, the most common one is arm wrestling, right? Strength versus strength. Sure. Arm wrestling. Rawr. 
Dodging and parrying in close combat are technically not opposed rules as they require an action by the defender and can be pushed. So, uh, yeah, let's get to that. If it doesn't say it here, something to note about opposed, which I didn't see it, something about opposed roles, only the person initiating the action can do the pushing. The person reacting to it cannot. And that's similar across the Year Zero Engine games. All right, we don't care about NPCs. Game Masters can read that. Uh, gear bonus, we already pretty much talked about that, right? Yeah. But when you use gear and push your roll, the gear might take damage. So let's just say you have a sword and it gives a plus two gear bonus. So that's pretty cool, right? Um, you've got your... Uh, um, what, what is the skill for <laughs> fighting? I should have... I just looked at it a moment ago and I don't know why. Is it melee combat? Does that sound right? I got yeah, it sounds right. How many pages back did I go here? I passed it. No. It's uh, where? Where's my skill list? That's describing the action. That's, uh, I think it was before that. Oh, whatever. Let's just go with melee combat. I don't know why I can't remember. You know what? I'll remember now. What page is this? 51? Where's the character sheet? Oh, there's no character sheet in this damn book. <laughs> Let's go back to 51. I, I think it's melee weapon. Let's just go with that. Yeah. We're going to go. So if you have um, three in strength, Three in melee weapon and a sword that's two. That's three, three, and two. So that's eight dice. Sure. If your sword takes damage, what happens? It gets dull or gets cracked, which means it's less strong and it mm -hmm. loses a die just like an attribute would. Yep. But it's still usable. Sure. Until it gets to no dice. When it's at no dice. Do you remember from Mutant Year Zero what happens at no dice? Or do you want me to there was There was broken and then destroyed. Yep. Exactly. And if it's got no dice, it's broken. If it takes any amount of damage after that, if I remember correctly, it's considered destroyed where it can't be repaired. Right. If the gear bonus reaches zero, the item is broken and cannot be used until it is repaired. Exactly right. There you go. Luckily, damage gear can be repaired because, you know, it's a fantasy game and we all learn blacksmithing, right? Sure. Uh, at least Makes I sense. hope. At least one of the characters should. It takes a few hours of work and a successful roll of crafting skill. If the roll is successful, the gear bonus is recovered by one point for every success. Very similar. Does this not remind you of the weaponsmith from Earthdawn? A little bit, yeah. Where I mean, now, now that's a more magical game, but you know, people. Go, Why would I want to be a weaponsmith? I'd want. I want to be able to fight better than that. Well, everyone fights better with a weaponsmith. All right, everyone. <laughs> In Every fact, I had to tone the weaponsmith down because it was getting annoying. Like, do I have time to increase everybody's weapon again? Technically, mm, yes, but no. also no because <laughs> believe me when you can double somebody's damage now that's a different game but but you get what i'm saying like uh yeah here it's just repair significantly uh, increase the the damage output of every weapon significantly increase the armor protection of every shield and and breastplate out there the game can get one-sided pretty damn quick yes yep. all right so here's one of the aspects of this game that's a little different and it's the artifacts so if you have a mighty artifact, you roll a D8. If you have an epic artifact, you roll a D10. If you have a legendary artifact, you roll a D12. So how does it work when six, when a result of six or higher counts as a success, right? Well, here you go. Got a nice little... In case you're using real dice, you have a nice little chart. You get more sixes. Look Basically, at that. You, you get more if sixes. You, if you're rolling a D12 and you roll a 12 on a D12, you just got four successes off of one die. That does sound pretty legendary, doesn't it? Yes, it does. So, so there you go. Uh, that that's what it does. So when you get those artifact dice, you only have one. 
You don't roll seven d12s, okay? Everything else will be a d6, but that item will have a d12 uh, assigned to it. Pride, once per section. We talked about pride, I think, the last time we did a video, and even if I didn't, that's something that you can look at in the game. Uh, we're going to skip that. Skills. We're not going to talk about all the skills. We're going to talk about the ones that are a little bit different from the other ones. Now, you might be saying, well, that makes me go watch another video. Look, might should make sense to you. It helps you, helps you move things. Endurance should make sense to you. Me oh, it's just melee, not melee weapon. Okay. Uh, that's because I knew it included unarmed combat as well. Crafting. This is the one that's, that's new to Forbidden Lands. You often have to make your own gear in Forbidden Lands and repair it if it breaks. To do so requires a, a crafting skill. To repair a broken item generally takes a few hours and a successful crafting roll. The roll succeeds, the item is repaired. If the item has a gear bonus, it will increase one per success. I already talked about that. Oh, wow. It cannot go above the original gear bonus. The roll fails, the gear bonus is permanently decreased to the current level. That is why you want to push your roll if you fail. Uh... If the gear bonus has been decreased to zero and the repair fails, the item is permanently destroyed. Like, oops, yeah. sorry, I broke your sword. Oh, you know what? You shouldn't have given me this flimsy used sword that was all rusted up anyway. What were you doing? <laughs> what do you think was going to happen, dumbass? <laughs> right? Craft. You can create new items. Uh, creating new items requires far more work than repairing existing ones does. It requires a crafting roll, just like repairing, but you also need raw material. You know, I said I wasn't going to cover the equipment section here. No, actually, this is what I'm going to say. If you go to the equipment section at the back of the book, so what am I on page 56? Let's let's go to some equipment. Oh, there is a character sheet in here. What's wrong? Um equipment, 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 tools for ship. There we go. It will tell you how many raw materials you need. So if I if you want to make a field kitchen, it costs two iron. Now you might say, well, that seems a little computer gamey. So you don't have to get two iron, then three iron, then a half iron, you know, whatever. Well, again, this is a rules lightish type game, and two iron is just an abstract representation of how much iron you have. All right. So anyway, if you want to make a, a food knife, it takes one quarter iron. So if you want to make, you know, a butter knife, there you go. But uh, you get the idea. But it says in the description here where uh, how much it takes to craft stuff. Oops, that's way wrong number. Uh, okay. That does make sense to you, right? Yeah. Uh, don't care about the rest. All right. So let's now look at uh, the agility skills. You have stealth, which is, you know, you know, move silently, hide in shadows. Move, which is your ability to jump, climb, move fast, so forth. Now, if you remember the other games, move and stealth were kind of just mixed into one. Well, there's okay. an extra skill in this one so they separate out stealth and move so move is your move is a very useful when we talk talk about combat in two weeks oh no next week when we talk about combat next week you're going to see how the move skill can help you get out of combat and i actually think that the forbidden lands way of doing that of withdrawing and retreating from combat is the best i've seen in any game ever in terms of balance between simulationism and just hand waving I love it. So hopefully next week, you know, we'll we'll talk about that. Not hopefully, we will talk about it. Then you have sleight of hand, which is your ability to pickpocket and pick locks and maybe even perform surgery, by the way. And marksmanship uh, also falls under agility. Then you have scouting, which is finding, you know, things. Lore, which is, you know, knowing information. Survival, which is a an incredibly important skill in Forbidden Lands. We'll get to that in a couple weeks. 
three weeks, I think, and insight so that people can't, you know, flamboozle you. And then finally, your empathy skills manipulation so you can flamboozle other people. Healing, which in all the user engine games, it pretty much falls under empathy. Performance, which is also a healing skill. So healing heals uh, agility and strength. Performance, having the bard in the party, heals your empathy and wits. And you can taunt. And then animal handling is your ability to tame and control animals. So if you want to be some sort of beast master, there you go. And this one goes, this one's a pretty deep skill, by the way. Yeah, there's command tame animals, there's tame wild animals. So there, there are a few things you can do with that. But there we go. If you want to learn more about it, you can read it on your own, unless Heathen Dog has a specific question here. I think uh, we're good to go, and let's answer some questions, and we'll uh, prepare for the next uh, segment, which will be talents. Sweet. I'm good. All right, what do you got for people's uh, questions, comments, concerns? Right. Not a lot, not a lot. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Malakay is a, it's like Savage Worlds, range combat requires a four better to hit, take cover, or do something to increase that number. It, what? Oh, that's going back to the Palladium thing. Yeah, yeah it's going back okay. to the Palladium thing, but it was, it was important. Um, uh, all this stuff is not, nope, all of it is not for okay. anything. Oh, wow. Okay. Excellent. Well, there we go. Obviously, skills were really understandable. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, here, let's go put up the things that we need to do. Like, subscribe, and share. If you have any questions or comments about this video, go ahead and put them in the uh, in the comment section. I was going to say in the description. Well, in the comment section. And uh, let us know your thoughts and uh, look forward to talents, which will be coming up next. Yeah, I don't All right, for the second part of segment one today, we're going to continue on with Forbidden Lands, and now we're going to talk about talents. If you've watched any of the previous user engine games that we've covered, Mutant User, Coriolis, you're going to see a lot of similarities. But there are also a couple of big differences between talents in Forbidden Lands than the other games, and we're going to look at those in just a moment. The core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural organic inclusion, not forced diversity. Please follow that QR code or refer to the description below for the link to the charity we support, which is the Wounded Warrior Project. Thursdays and Saturdays, you can watch the Dirty Casuals on twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth. Fridays and Sundays, you can watch the Friday Night Chill Stream and RPG Digest on our YouTube and Rumble channels. Please leave us a comment with your thoughts and experiences, and if you like our gaming content, please be sure to subscribe to Legion of Myth. Alright, no book this time. We're just starting right off with talents. Boom. Hit it. So what are talents? Well, it says here, an adventure in Forbidden Lands. Oh, so as adventures in Forbidden Lands, you work towards a common goal. Eh, sometimes. But you also need to find your niche. Something no one else can do. Such tricks and abilities are called talents. Talents can change how you use skills, how you recover from damage, or allow you to do things that would be impossible for others. At the start of the game, you can choose a number of talents based on your kin, your profession, your age. Didn't we figure out that, that uh, your little makeshift non-character was going to start with four talents? Because you'll, you'll have one for your kin, whatever, you, whatever your kin is. So if you're human, you've got you know a, a one kin talent. I think the age that you picked... Oh, by the way, so, somebody made a very good comment out there, something that I never, because I haven't done campaigns of this game. 
you can't increase your uh, your uh, uh, ability scores. Your attributes? At all? No. So that's why it's not good to pick an old character. Okay, okay. Got it. And I, and I because okay. again, I've only done one shots. So I haven't done any campaigns. I never actually put that together. So, uh, yeah. So now, now you know why it's at the risk reward and your skills max out at five. So you might want to start young and, you know, that invent, remember like the old D and D investment wizard, you know, where it's yeah, like yeah. you stand in the back. Well, now that young character becomes an investment anyway, but back on, on forbidden lands here. So depending on your age, you start with a number of talents and talents you can raise and get new ones also. So, uh, you'll get a base on your kin based on your profession. So if you're a, that archer, you have uh, kin talents as well. And we're going to look at those in just a moment. But anyway, you're going to start with multiple talents. So read more in chapter two. You can increase the rank of your talents, which is new to Forbidden Lands, and learn more about talents through the course of the game. Or learn more talents through the course of the game. There are three kinds of talents. Kin talents, obviously your racial bonus. Profession talents, and general talents. Uh, does this actually, oh, it does go up here. Kin and profession talents are more powerful than general talents, but they require that you spend willpower points, and that's the rub right there. Mm -hmm. So, uh, general talents can, I think for the most part, there might be an exception or two, but I think general talents can be used without spending willpower. They just are part of it. Uh, for example, extra damage with axes. You know, that's just every time, because you're good with axes, like uh, non-weapon or weapon proficiencies from AD&D. I've got that proficiency. I've got it. I will. Anytime I use an axe, I'm going to do more damage. But then if you want to do something, you know, super awesome, like block an arrow that was meant for you, no, you know, that's going to cost you willpower point. And you get to take damage. It's great. That's, that's a friend. Yeah. That noise. Uh, so here are, here's the list of the towns. And you can see each each human, oh my god, each kin has one talent. And then each of the professions has three. And that's just like every other game, right? Yeah, yeah, you just so have you to pick one of them to start, but yeah. Yep. Exactly. And then we have the general talents, which there are a bunch of them. Look at that. There are There's a lot, lot of them. Yes. Yep. Which is good because it allows your character, you know, to grow. Now, one of the things I've been told by people who have done campaigns of Forbidden Lands is that low-level characters struggle to survive because of the death spiral. They're not levels. I get it. I know there are no levels in the game, but you know, but but intro characters struggle to survive. When you get past that point, you get, you know, you start feeling pretty cool, and then you quickly go into I'm a god. Now. I don't know, but I've never I've never had an issue with that I'm a god part because I can just throw many more monsters at you. you know? I, there are always things I can do. I can hogpile you if I have to. You know, There's always something I can do to challenge you, so I'm not that stressed about it. But what you'll end up finding out is that a lot of die rolls are meaningless because, oh, you have that at rank three? Oh, you win. Okay. <laughs> you, you did whatever it is you wanted to do and we'll look at that in a moment but especially when the roles are unopposed when you get to a certain level it's yeah. just 99% chance you're going to get at least one success exactly yeah. yeah and so you win but that's when extra successes may matter or again if you have enough I don't care how powerful you are if 30 people are shooting arrows at you you're going to get hit by somebody yeah <laughs> now talents generally come in three ranks every talent describes 
what the various rank means and what benefits they provide. When you increase the rank of a talent, you retain the effect of the lower ranks as well. If the ranks of a profession talent have separate effects, you can only spend willpower on one effect at a time. For example, a hunter with rank 3 in Path of the Arrow can either ignore armor or increase damage, not both in the same attack. That's, that is an important distinction because without that, I would say, hey, you want to spend a second willpower, you get the second effect as well. Yeah, I, 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 never even th- I don't know why, but I never even thought about that. I don't think anybody's tried that in my games, or if they have, I just shut it down right away because of that rule, but I, I don't remember yeah, yeah. that. So. I have had hunters in my games. Um, so if you have rank three in both Dragon Slayer and Sword Fighter, you can add 2d8s to the attack. Uh, I'm sorry, I should have read the first sentence. It is allowed to combine the effects of different talents in a single action. If you have rank 3 in both Dragon Slayer and Sword Fighter, you can add 2d8 to an attack with a sword against a monster. But of course, that's going to cost you two willpower points. Sure. Okay. So, okay. That, that, so that makes you sense. can use two separate ones, and I think quite a few abilities have three different talents that you can use to, uh, to assist. Uh, so if you're using two different talents good you cannot use two different effects from the same talent copy that you're going to gain experience and you can spend experience to raise your talents figure that out as you're playing the game now we're going to talk about adaptive no we've we've i'm going to give you rough overviews of what each one of these are i think i already did that once but uh i don't want to spend a lot of time on each talent but the kin talents are one per kin so i think i'll do that Humans are new to Forbidden Lands and are seen as intruders by the other kin, but no other kin can adapt to new situations and living conditions the way humans can. Again, what are humans? We are the diversity trope. We are the versatility trope. That is what makes humans powerful in fantasy settings. If you don't get that, I don't know what to tell you. If you spend a willpower point when you're about to roll for a skill, you can roll for any skill of your choice to achieve the same result. You must be able to motivate how to use the chosen skill the okay, GM has okay fun. okay yeah that it, it, that got weird for a second right in my head that got weird without that last part of the sentence because i want to climb well i want to spend a willpower and use my marksman skill for climbing no the end of the sentence says you have to actually articulate yeah. how it works like how that will now fit into climbing and if you can't do that suck it chump now here's here's what i'm going to say for game masters out there when you compare right off the bat especially since it's the first one we're reading like whoa that is ridiculously powerful wait till we read the other ones so i agree with where heathen dogs coming from in this because we all know players are going to try to rationalize everything and you're going to be spending an hour and a half here arguing with the player about how that doesn't work he's me drawing it out on paper telling you some scientific principle that he read once or whatever here's the thing <laughs> Unless it's just really stupid, let it happen. So remember, they still have to spend a willpower point. Right. So they, no matter what, they have a detriment attached yes. to it. Yes. Um, now, using the marksmanship skill, uh, I'm going to shoot up. I'm going to have my arrow hit the cliff, and we're going to use that as a grappling hook. Does so it work? Does not work. rope onto it and... I'm not saying that is a yes or a no. I'm just saying they can come up with ideas that might work. I want to be very clear about that. I want somebody to put in the comments, I wouldn't let that work my game. Then don't. No, that's fine. Yeah. But it is, it is at least plausible. Yes. 
and it's happened in in other media. It's happened in movies, happened in books, mm -hmm. where you you fire an arrow with a lead attached to it. It digs into the cliff on the other side, and you can use it to repel across. You you've seen that in cartoons, movies, TV shows, books, the whole thing. So it's it's plausible, in especially in a fantasy type setting. Yep, it's not outside the box completely. And if somebody wants to spend a will PowerPoint on that, let them. <laughs> let them find that that's great now if you have some kind of fast talking skill and you want to use that to go up the cliff well how are you going to fast talk the cliff into letting you i'm going to manipulate it come on cliff i'm ready <laughs> come on, to... cliff. you're nothing <laughs> like, i have a I friend named cliff out. so why can't i talk to this one <laughs> you know, uh, maybe all right, you can explain that i can't yeah put that in the comments if you have a way that you could talk to the cliff side to be able to climb it and have it work out put that in the comments i'd love to see hear what you have to say about that that'd be fun yeah, I would. Uh, okay, the elf talent, inner peace. Oh. Elves have a connection to the inner nature of their own, far beyond that of any other kin. Their immortality, they are immortal, makes them less susceptible to the trials of the world when compared to other kin. By spending a willpower, you can enter a state of deep meditation. This lasts for a quarter day during which you must remain undisturbed. When you emerge from the meditation, you have healed all damage as well as any critical injuries except lost Whoa, limbs. And by the, and by the way, this except lost limbs is not in the first printing. They had to add that. Well, yeah, man. It says heal all damage. That's as that well is, as critical injuries. Exactly. That, which which I think losing an arm or leg is considered a critical injury, right? I would. It, I would is, say that's critical. This but one is. This is freaking bonkers everywhere that you want overpowered shit I'll, I'll take that human versatility crap all day long and and say it, it's fair and balanced this thing is is awful sounding i mean every other way to heal damage takes either another person getting super drunk uh get, getting a <laughs> getting a, a a magic elixir in you or or spending a week in the hospital this guy just meditates for literally six hours and goes eh my appendix is fine now. And you're like, what? Yep. What? That's crazy. Oh, that's not the crazy. Well, it, it is one of the craziest ones, but there are more. Oh, there are more. And this is why I don't worry about the adaptive one from humans so much. The dwarf talent, true grit. grit. Dwarves are far more stubborn than others. I, lo I love the fact that Free League maintains these tropes, finds interesting ways of utilizing the tropes, and can fight on when other kin have no strength left. You can push a die roll multiple times by spending Whoa. willpower points. Every point allows you to push the roll one more time. Well, that that right there is a double-edged sword. It yes, really it is. is. Because you 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 push once. You usually only get to push one time and then you are stuck with whatever you got with and especially all those skulls and ones, right? You're stuck with that crap. But let's say oh no, I I still want this to work. You roll again. What if you don't roll any more cesses? Just roll more skulls and ones. Damn it. Now you're double boned. Yeah. So that is true. Yeah. But the dwarves that I've had in my game, uh, that doesn't happen. <laughs> they don't get double boned? No. Okay. Well, uh, halfling talent, hard to catch. Halflings are notoriously hard to get a grip on, and they can easily evade the most tenacious Lame. of pursuers. You can spend a willpower point in combat to avoid being hit by physical attacks. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> you can... Wait, wait, what? Halflings you... are juicers now? They have auto-dodge? Yes, you can spend God a will... It. 
Well, it's not auto dodge. You have to spend a willpower point. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You're not spending an action. You're spending willpower points. Well, so, so, so. Every, <laughs> every willpower spent eliminates one of the attacker's success. You can use one. Of well, yeah, but it's just to say, what if I got three successes on you? You need to spend three willpower to avoid that. You only get ten. Max. Yeah. At a time. Yes. Yeah. But still, that's crazy. Wolfkin. Hunting instincts. Wolfkin have a power sen powerful sense of smell and can track the prey for days once they have caught the scent. You can spend willpower points to designate a person or a creature as your prey. Your prey must be within line of sight, or there must be a scent to follow. The number of willpower you spend equals the number of days you can follow your sense prey, or your prey scent. In combat, all of your attacks against your prey get plus one bonus per willpower spent. I'm spending ten. I can follow him for 10 days, and when I find him, I get plus 10 dice to everything. Yeah. Until you the creature is broken or until you choose to let your prey go. Oh, until the creature is broken. It doesn't... Okay. Yeah, but... Okay, so one thing to understand about this game is murder... You can't just outright murder somebody. Well, you can. Yes, you can. Um, there's a coup de gras, and we'll talk about that in combat. You actually have to make a willpower... You have to spend a point of willpower in order to coup de gras somebody. That does okay well it's there, there's a rationale for it number one it's anti-murder hobo but the other rationale is in real life it's actually pretty hard to kill someone like with a sword it's really hard to go like you know what even if somebody's hurting i've never been in the situation to stab somebody with a knife like that so i don't know but uh you know people can st stand here and talk tough all they want in reality i don't know but um so the whole broken thing really doesn't matter because at that point you could just coup de gras anyway. And to be fair, if you do enough damage, uh, you get enough critical injuries on somebody, the person's dead anyway. Or they're dying. Yeah. Orc, unbreakable. Just like the movie. Mm. The orcs were created to serve. Sure. Their bodies are strong and they're very resilient when it comes to pain and punishment. When you are broken by any kind of damage, you can spend a willpower point or you can spend willpower points, plural, to immediately get back on your feet. For every point you spend, you recover 1 point in the broken attribute. So if somebody clubs you with a sword and you go down to 0, you know, 0 strength, you could spend 4 willpower point to be right back at 4 strength. That's that's basically a reset button. Yes, you have to kill orcs twice. Damn it. Maybe even three times if they if they maxed out their willpower. Yeah, fair. You got to kill them three times. Yep. You cannot use this talent unless you are broken. So this talent okay. does not affect critical injuries. Okay, so what you want to do is hurt an orc real bad, but don't break him. It'll make him almost ineffectual in combat. You can just kind of get around him. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> hope, you hope that's, that's what will happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh all right so there you go oh wait where's the guy that's the goblin one did i miss the goblin? i missed the goblin one the goblin nocturnal this is new to me by the way i have not actually read this one because i used the first printing of the book um goblins prefer the night and hate the daylight which hurts their eyes they can see in the dark and thus are not affected by darkness at all by the way there are pretty hefty darkness penalties in this game also in rolling for stealth in a dark or dimly lit environment you can spend willpower points which are automatically turned into extra successes you may even this would be good for a thief i wouldn't see this like uh, for every goblin character but for a thief that's pretty damn good huh yeah i can see that 
All right. Uh, now, Druids. Okay, now, now we're getting into the class talents. Yeah, but I'm not going to read all of them. We're just going to yeah, talk fair. about them generically. Okay. So there, there are three talents for each of them. Now, if you have expansion books, you might put in the comments, well, do you know the Druids actually have more? Yes, I, I do know that there are more spells and more capabilities out there. We're only going with the core book. So, Path of Healing. If you want to see how to make a Druid healer, I have a character creation video that tells you how to make a Druid healer. And you can see what the rationales that I used were to, you know, how I put that character together. But you can be a healer. Uh, where's the other? Path of Shifting Shapes. Guess what that does? Change into different animal forms. Sure. And where's the third? And the Path of Sight. This is what I'm going to read. You can see beyond sight. Oh my god, what was that show? Sight uh, Beyond Sight. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? Man. Was that Thundercats? Yeah, the Sword okay. of Omens. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 that's, that's right. Yes, yes, okay. Um, you can see Beyond Sight and your inner eye can see what happens and what will happen. Uh, rank of this talent determines which spells you can use. Read more. And that's the way they all work. The, the rank in the talent determines which spells you can use. And we're going to talk all about spell casting in a couple weeks. So You can cast rank 1 in the awareness discipline, rank 2 or rank 3 in the awareness discipline. There are not a lot of spells in this game, but, the, but they does give you room to make more. Uh, the fighter's talents, Path of the Blade. Hey, you can spend will, uh, willpower point to find weakness your opponent's armor. Basically, it's doing more damage with a sword, okay? Let's just put that but find armor flaw. Yeah. Path of the enemy. This is one that you get screwed in my games. Because I don't use the uh, the combinations, which comes with using the cards. I don't I don't find that it adds anything to the game. Your mileage may vary. You might think that the cards are the greatest thing ever out there, and they really enhance the game for you. Cool, use them, love it. I don't. I just want to roll dice and, and, and let it go from there. But you see through your opponent and anticipate his next move before it happens. Observe this talent. Uh, observe that this talent is only applicable if you use the system for hidden combinations in close combat, which is the advanced combat rules of the cards. Spend a willpower point. Your, uh, you and your opponent choose your hidden combinations. Your opponent must choose his combination first and then reveal either his first or second card to you before you choose your own combination. Basically, mm. you're spying what your character is doing. Yeah. I'm not going to read all of them there, but but it gives you the idea. So when you're playing that little Magic the Gathering card game uh, to figure out how you're going to attack, you get advantage to that. You get to see your opponent's hand, or a yeah. little bit of it. So, and then Path of the Shield, you can protect your friends, you can parry better, yada yada. I mean, you use your shield better. Hunters, Path of the Arrow, you shoot your bow better. Path of the Beast, you and your animal are buddies. And... Path of the Forest? I don't think anybody's taken that one. What is that? You're a master at... Sur oh, survival. Okay, that's actually pretty good. When you forge, hunt, or lead the way, you, su uh, you succeed automatically if you spend a willpower point. Uh, that's actually probably pretty good. Nobody takes it because I run one-shots. So. Minstrel's uh, Talents. The Path of the Hymn. Your songs can help your comrades get up on their feet. You can help a broken comrade within short range get up right. on her feet. Wait, wait, is that, is that physical damage or just emotional damage? You can help a broken comrade. It just says broken. It just says broken. Okay, then that, that is a term for all the, all the yep. types of damage. So yep. there you go. Uh, and it says uh, for every willpower you spend, your comrade recovers one point of the attribute that has been reduced to zero. Let's see, it doesn't say in here specifically. The skill, set, uh, the skill performance is only wits and um, uh, empathy. 
But this, this is a talent. This is different. So uh, anyway, uh, you can see what ranks two and three are if you can read that closely. I'm going to skip them. I'm, I'm, again, I'm not trying to read every one of these things. I'm just trying to show you what's there and how they're thematic for the classes. So uh, with, with, the, with, with this guy around, everyone's a little, little mini orc? Everyone's <laughs> a little mini orc. There you go. Uh, I spent, so your beautiful voice can captivate an audience. There you go. There's Garth on the Troubadour, right? Singing songs mm -hmm. for people. And the path of the war cry inspires your comrades and strikes fear into the hearts of the enemy. So now you're affecting, uh, affecting others. The peddler. Why would I want a peddler? Let's see, you carry a knapsack that contains seemingly endless supply of stuff and knickknacks. Rank one, you spend willpower, you can find almost any item from the trade goods. Uh, the comment here is important. Uh, we read this when we did the Mutineer Zero thing, but it is similar. Once you pull an item out of your nap knapsack, you must write it down on your character sheet, and you cannot put it back in your knapsack again. If you lose your knapsack, you must get a new one before you can use this talent again. This requires visit to a trading post of some kind, and you spend a number of willpower, or sorry, spend a willpower and two d six silver. Basically, you're putting stuff back in there. I treat this the same way as the Mutineer Zero one. Is this uh, if you want to count it as an item? Because in gear bonus, so on and so forth, right. that you now have going forward, you have to write on your character sheet. If not, basically used it once, it broke, you threw it on the ground, and you're moving on. Right. You have to find somewhere else to put it besides the knapsack that it that you that you magically pulled it out of. Because your knapsack is an extension of your butt. You pulled it out of your butt, and now you got to put it somewhere else. I recommend washing it, but another pocket will do. Now, now, to be fair, on a very, again, pedantic level, Heathen Dog's wrong. I get what he's saying. He's right. But uh, uh, just the way bags work in this game, you can put it back in your bag, but it's still going to be written on your character sheet. Yeah, it exists now. It's no yeah. longer in some kind of quantum state. Yeah, exactly. It exists. Anything it, in that special knapsack is, is, is Schrodinger's tools, right? They exist and they don't until you pull it out. <laughs> it's a great way of putting it exactly uh you're a master of bargaining and have unerring ability to find the items you need however rare or hidden they are so you basically can spend willpower points to find items be careful uh uh until you have rank three i don't think you can find artifacts okay uh path of words you're a master negotiator you can get what you want you know the whole the social sure. combat rules all right now let's move on to the rider's talents path of companion Spend a willpower point when you are broken. Your horse will stay by your side and defend you. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, he he knows all about that. <laughs> oh yeah, loyalty. That's that's a, that's a big thing between a rider and his mount. Path of the night. You are a master of fighting mounted. All the effects of this talent require that you are mounted. That you are in the open zone of combat. Uh, so you know, obviously, using this inside you know, uh, a very constricted city isn't going to work. Spend willpower point to draw extra initiative cards. When mounted, you can spend willpower to defend against attacks. Again, as you played a cavalryman in Earthdawn, it's very similar to having uh, was a wheeling defense mounted. Is it wheeling attack, wheeling defense? Yeah, yeah. But ba basically, mounted combat is a force multiplier to your force multiplier. I mean, yes. If, if you have a if you have a sword, mounted combat, the sword's going to hit harder. If you have an axe and do the same. But if you have a if you have a uh, what do you call it? Uh, lance. Oh. That guy's dead, you know, but there are caveats and addendums to that. You have to have the open space. You have to be able to turn. You have to be able to all this stuff. This is all important. And one of the things, again, I stress to game masters is look at your cavalry or your rider. Can your rider one shot the enemy? Possibly. Yep. Don't be a dick. But, but you know, it's, it's the equivalent of, of, uh, someone having like two months of, uh, of, uh, strip mall karate. 
and and telling you uh, come uh, attack me just like this and I can defend. Yeah. Uh, on mounted combat, you have to attack that person in a very specific way to get that triple damage, right? Yeah. Very specific set of circumstances. Outside of that, you're just a dude on a horse. But but don't don't let somebody take the rider the rider character class or or profession and Unless then you're not you be able to utilize it exactly. Yeah. And and that's the balance. You know you know what you can do. Have that one big minotaur standing out there that the rider can go after, and then have a bunch of little things that you know maybe are supporting the minotaur, or that they have to do little imps or demons or something. You you let the rider have have the moment of glory on occasion when when doing this. I, I see my the reason why I say this. I see too many game masters that find ways of I'm going to take away the rider's abilities. Yeah, exactly. There's there's no point in doing that. You you don't you don't want to make him do it, but always give him once in a while the opportunity mm-hmm. to 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 use his huge attack. Yeah, if he never gets the opportunity to use do your attack, all all he's going to do is hate you. He's going to think you're a dick. And like, guess why what? Did, he's why right. Flash. Exactly. Why'd you let me pick the class? So I'm never going to be able to use its abilities. Can we mean, talk uh, to me? Go ahead. Grugnock the orc over here has just jumped up from being dead three times already. And I have never been able to charge anyone with my horse because we're always inside. Why is that? Nothing ever attacks me outside ever. <laughs> exactly. No, nothing ever attacks me outside the hell. And, and in Heathen Dog's right, just tell him not to take the class. Because what did I do? You know, pardon me for bringing up another game yet again. But when when I ran my Earth Dawn campaign, I told you guys right off the bat, don't take an air sailor or or a sky raider because you're not going to be on an airship. I'm not going to let you have an airship as a, as a low circle character. Yep. So you're going to feel wasted and you're not going to feel effective. You still want to do it. That's on you. But I'm warning you now. And guess what? Nobody took. <laughs> yeah. We didn't think you were lying. So, and then the last one that you can do here is you can ride fast like the wind. And this is great when you're trying to cover a lot of space uh, uh, quickly. Uh, Rogue's Talents. Oh, I thought it was called Thief in this one. I guess I was wrong. Uh, Path in the Face. You are a master of disguise and can easily assume the appearance of others. See, Path of the Killer. Battles are not always fought in the open and with steel clashing in steel. Another, less heroic type of fight takes place in the shadow with hidden weapons and unsuspecting victims so this you is, this is the asshole dressed all in all in charcoal gray hiding in the rafters with a goddamn blowgun this is that guy it's more than that so this has got backstab ability oh and your houdini awesome. by spending a willpower you can uh, slither your way out of any restraint or push yourself through the smallest of openings down to a few inches wide you're like a cat that's pancaking Easy. itself yeah. All right. And rank three is hypnosis. You will do my bidding. I will do your bidding. These aren't the droids you're looking for. These are not the droids we're looking for. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then path to poison. Uh, you can use poisons by, uh, by spending. Assassin. What's that? Now you're an assassin. That 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 blowgun, poison dart. There you go. And it's like the it's like the uh, peddler's knapsack. You have to actually have a collection of poisons. Yada yada. Sorcerer's talents. Path of blood. You're creepy. By the way, these are all spells. Path of death, you're creepier. Wow, awesome. Path of signs, you're not quite as creepy. Okay, Uh, while while that is a very comprehensive explanation of these powers, I'm going to have to go with, I want more. 
You want more? Uh, I I don't want to give more until we get to magic. Oh, there's magic a fourth. Right, I never fine. actually re realized that there was a fourth one, Path of Stone. Okay, I, for some reason, I mean, I knew it was there, but I didn't realize that there were four. I thought there were three for all of them. Uh, basically, it's a um, it's a uh, what is it? Divination. Path of Stone is earth spells. You can throw earthquakes on people. Uh, Path of Death is necromancy, if I remember correctly, and Path of Blood is ouchies. Ouchies being like the evil eye type thing. I'd have to look blood. it up again. Okay. I've never, uh, as far as I know, I've never had a sorcerer in the game. Okay. If one of you played a sorcerer in one of my one shots, let me know. I don't remember it. Um, okay. Uh, general talents. Here we go. Now, these are the ones you don't normally don't have to spend willpowers for. Okay. Uh, ambidextrous. You can fight with weapons in either hand. Uh, we're not going to read them all. Berserker is kind of neat. If you're broken, you can go crazy. But uh, if you're broken during Berserker Rage, you can't use the talent. And uh, what's the... You must immediately attack the nearest opponent. Uh, so a, during your rage, you're immune to any attempts to manipulate you, and all close combat uh, attacks do one extra point of damage. So you get broken. You attack the first person near you, which for me right now is Heathen Dog. So I start, you know, because he was unfortunately close to me. I'm starting to beat him. And, <laughs> you, <laughs> and you can't talk me down. No. No, your ears are closed. <laughs> ears are closed the only thing you can hear is the is the screaming of your own heart beating that's all that's all you can hear yep. have fun now i'm not going to read all these fighter ones but i'm going to tell you this the rank threes for each of them are a little different but let's just look at axe fighters axe fighter sword fighter knife fighter all types of fighters okay sure the rank three does get a little different for them but who cares so, rank one, your attack rolls are modified with plus one when you're fighting with an axe. What does that mean? You're rolling an extra skill die. Rank two, when you hit an enemy with your axe and inflict at least one point of damage, you automatically inflict a critical injury. That is crazy, by the way. Critical injury? Yeah. Every time you hit and deal damage, it is a critical It is critical damage. That is That is really the only way to stop an orc in one shot. Because you know, if if you if you critical injure him enough in the aorta, even if he, even if he unbreaks himself, he can't heal critical injuries. He's probably still boned. Not very combat effective. Depends what the critical injury is. You could just chop off his ear. Oh, I don't like that. That'll just well, make him mad. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about that next week when we talk about combat and look at critical injuries. Rank three, you can add a D artifact die to attack rolls with an X. Whoa. Artifact die are no joke. But I also want you, want you, you can add. You're not adjusting. You're not turning a D6 no, into extra. a D8. You're adding a D fact uh, or a D8 artifact die. I used to read that otherwise. I used to say, no, 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 no. That just means you're rolling a D8, not a D6. But after some forum looking, because I thought this was too powerful, even for rank three. But yeah, uh, the for according to the forums, at least when I read them, uh, three, four years ago when I was still in Germany, that was, uh, no, that's, you were adding an artifact die. Okay, so you get the idea. Again, different ones do different things, but uh, that's that's generally how it works. Boyer, you know, making bows, uh, brawler, fighting, cold-blooded builder, defender. Builder's good for your stronghold. And by the way, don't eschew some of these things. You're going to, you need that stronghold. So you're going to want somebody who can, you know, be the little mayor for your stronghold. Uh, defender chef same thing you're gonna want edible food right sure dragon slayer uh is for killing monsters okay executioner nope that isn't uh nope that isn't it 
Executioner allows you to uh, to rearrange the dice for a critical hit so that you get the better. All your critical hits are pretty bad. Uh, fearless, Fleet Footwear, Firm Grip. Where is the one I'm looking for? Fisher. Again, survival. You cannot ignore survival skills in this game. Horseback Fighter. Hammer, Incorruptible, Herbalist. Herbalist I thought was a lie, so my module fixes it. Now, when I say fixes it, doesn't... No, 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 no. Don't skip it. Herbalist is a lie? Yeah, because you can't make potions. Oh. Yeah, herbalist is a lie. Okay. So you know the difference between edible plants and regular weeds. Uh, your survival... It's all survival thing. So my module, it does not change herbalist itself, but allows you to use the herbalist talent in conjunction with a new talent that allows you to make potions. Okay. So... You can't, you still have to have herbalism. You can't just jump right into that. But anyway, uh, corruptible knife fighter, lucky lightning fast. If you see anything you want me to stop on, go ahead. I'm looking for one particular, uh, melee charge, pathfinder, pack rat, pain resistant, poisoner, quartermaster, sailor, sharpshooter, quick draw, sharp tongue. I'm not finding it. Shield fighter. And I think I passed it. Smith spear fighter, six cents. Oh, let's read six cents. That's always a good one in games, right? Yeah. Uh, your scout role is modified. By plus one when an enemy tries to ambush you. Okay. That sounds, sounds like six cents. Yeah. Uh, rank two. Sounds like two OP. When you spot an ambush or sneak attack, you also see how many of their attackers they are. You get that little computer outline glow of all the people. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And rank three, you can add a D D8 artifact die to your scout roll. So you don't miss anything. Right. Okay. I get that. That's fair. Uh, Tanner throwing arm, wanderer threatening I'm mad because I, I, what's it? I thought, is it, oh, it's cold blooded. Crap. Path of him. Let's go back down there. I, I want to find. Sorry, I'm scrolling. I know that can give people epilepsy. Cold blood. Cold blooded. Here it is. You are completely callous and can, can, and can kill defenseless enemies without so much as seconds hesitation. Rank oh. one. You can perform a coup de gras without needing to roll dice. Sweet. As, Believe me, at any time that I've talked to players, they're like, I want that one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, rank two, as per rank one. And you also don't need to spend a willpower point or suffer damaged empathy. That's actually well, weird. Dude, I want that all day. And then rank three, as per rank two, we also recover a point of lost empathy when you, basically, when you, oh when you, oh my go God, murder... killing folk makes me feel better. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Yes, it does. <laughs> I mean, that, that means I've got psychological issues and I'm probably not someone you want to hang around or like sleep next to, but damn, in a fight. That's great. There you go. That's what I was looking for. Okay. I think we are at the end. I think we went through. Yep. Uh, Cause next week. Oh my God. Next week is combat, and you've all seen, if you, if you haven't watched them before, if you've seen those combat videos, they are long because they need to be, because there's there are aspects of this, and this one, Palladium fans are going to like it, because it includes parries and dodges and other things that you can do that, uh, that cost actions that enhance combat. I actually, when it's, when it's considered the dice, I really like the combat system of... Uh, of forbidden lands i don't like the cards but that's a personal preference if you do that's great so like subscribe share we're gonna to get to comments here in just a moment tell us what you think and all right he know what you got for comments all right here we go 
Uh, Nerdy Ogre says, uh, you hype yourself up, come to a cliff that ain't nothing. She, you just speed bump on the road of life, man. I got this. He's, he's th- if you haven't seen the beginning of the video, he's talking about how humans have the ability to use a seemingly, you know, completely wrong skill to do something because they spent willpower and they have a higher rank in this skill. So yeah, yeah. You talk your way up a cliff. You can do it. You know what? The, the cliff says, you're right, man. You're right. And all of a sudden, the cliff starts weeping. All right. <laughs> Morogman says, dismember the orc to make him wish he was dead. That's what I was talking about. Yeah, you, you, uh, the orc has the ability to just pop back up like it's a damn video game, right? But he can't heal critical injuries. So you cut off enough limbs, like the Black Knight, he will eventually <laughs> not be able to do anything except yell at you sternly. You and go. then Morogman comes back again with the card thing. Reminds me of some tabletop mini games, to be honest. Uh, yeah, uh, Max and I are not fond of card games in your tabletop role-playing games we're not fond of it but this game was uh, was primarily built to use a card system and the optional is just that the 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 normal way is the optional way so it may be more cumbersome doing it with just dice rather than with the cards because it was made for the cards bear that in mind if you want to not use cards that it may be a little clunky uh as somebody who's run this game a bunch of times, I will tell you that the the to me the cards make it clunky. Neither is considered optional. It used to be called uh, like basic and advanced. I don't know what they call it now. If it's the same thing, but uh, the cards are incorporated into the gameplay, so it's not like the cards detract from anything. Like the rules don't account for them; they really do. But the rules also account for well, not everybody bought the cards, and some people just want to roll dice. So the rules actually account for both. And I just think that rolling dice at the table, playing the game normally, while it does screw the warrior out of one potential talent, so instead of choosing three at the beginning of the game or choosing one of three, you choose one of two, it doesn't do really anything else. And and it just doesn't add anything for, for me. When I was reading through them previously, I sat down with my wife. I remember sitting at the table in Germany, sitting down at my wife and, you know, kind of doing that magic, the gathering tap, tap, you know, uh, just didn't add anything. I just, I didn't see the benefit of it. Again, your mileage may vary. People who want more gamified, uh, is that the term? Yeah. Want a more gamified system. will will like it. Okay. That's it. That's it. All right, cool. Well, we already did like, subscribe, share, so be sure you like, subscribe, share. Hope uh, hope you're enjoying these, and I look forward to talking to you guys next week when it comes to combat. I feel like the cards might be more fun online with a camera. Maybe. I'm going to go use the Heathen Dogs room, and I believe my family just came back, so I'm going to see. How well he did? How well he did. Now, now, hang on. the, I won't know the the judging results yet. They don't they don't put that out the same day, so I won't know that. But I'll be back. All right. So while he's doing that, I want to remind folks. Uh, let's go over here. Go over here. There we go. Hey, I know some of you. You're waiting for his Palladium stuff, right? You're ready to, to hear what Heathen Dog has to say about the Rifts Bionic Source book, right? Well, how about before then? Maybe you get your own Rifts Bionic Source book. Why? Because we are now on the Christmas sale. If you have not already bought your stuff, well, you got plenty of time. That's right. The 2023 Xmas Surprise Package, 60 bucks. So what do you get for 60 bucks? Well, let's click on this thing. Go to palladium-store.com and you can find out. So here we go. The 2023 Christmas Surprise Package available now until December 24th. So you have 
two months. You have two months to order your package. And we $100, sometimes more worth of Palladium products for only $60 plus shipping. It's about 50% off. Not quite, you know. Um, shipping isn't that bad. So here, I'll tell you, it cost me $72 after shipping down here to Alabama. All right. So $72 and you get $100 worth of products and sometimes more. He likes to throw in little little knickknacks and so forth in there as well. And what I'm talking about, a little palladium stuff. He's not like he's giving us his you know tummy lint or something, but uh, he's... <laughs> Uh, anyway, hundred dollars in retail value. Try to you put in ten items that you want. If you can't think of ten items, just just put the ones you want more on top. <laughs> you know, uh, if you want a t-shirt, favorite played in games, played in game you like to try. At this point, there are none I want to try. I've tried all of them that I'm that I'm interested in trying. But uh, here you go. Uh, if you want them autographed, I don't know why you'd say no, but well, whatever. And then comment suggestions. You know, what? I'd love it if you guys in the comments suggestions did say, hey, those Legion Myth guys are awesome. And they keep, you know, promoting your stuff. I don't know. You don't have to do that. But, uh, it'd be cool. So there you go. $100 worth of stuff. Put the books in there. And what the way I do mine is I go through and let's just uh, play it in fantasy. I'll just click play it in fantasy. And let's just say, I want this book. I just go there. I hit control C to copy that. I get the code as well. I don't know if he needs a code. Or I don't know if he cares about the code. But, you know, I send it anyway. And then I come back over. Close that. Go in. And then I right in here, I go pop. I hit a semicolon. I hit space space because I don't know if he's got one of those sites that doesn't do line carriages. Then at least he's got two spaces. I go the next line and then I hit the next one up. Yada yada. There you go. Your ten items. There you give him ten or more items that you want. It can be miniatures. It can be novels. It can be game books. It can be t-shirts. Whatever. Just throw it on in there. Tells you gives you all the rules right there. So check that out so let me put that in the description right now or i'm going to put that in chat right now palladium.store oh my god palladium-store.com here's the full link if i can get it to copy control a control c and control v Boop. oh what <laughs> literally none I'm playing nothing or and game mastering nothing at the moment. I hope to change that. I, I haven't oh. even had time to write for the last couple of weeks. So, well, yeah, I mean, doing this, it, it, it takes away all the time you'd have to GM a game. Yeah, people, people don't know how much uh, time I put in behind the scenes. I know it's kind of talking like the shorts before the stream started, but uh, uh, I spend pretty, ask my wife, I'm sure it frustrates the crap out of her, but I spend hours a day, every day behind the scenes, either you know, doing a networking or putting together thumbnails or reading what I have to read for the next episode or trying to figure out what's what's going to be happening on a Friday night chill stream. There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes, uh, especially the things that you guys see, like those shorts. Like I said before, just one short took me three and a half hours to make. I did one per night on Monday night, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday night. Friday night I had a stream. I couldn't do a fifth one. So, uh, yeah, so right now, nothing, but I hope to change that. I say in the near future, but depends on your definition here. I want to write my game first and the next game I run, I want it to be my game. Although I'm getting people that are really bugging me. I got a ton of messages from, okay, by a ton, I mean about six or seven, but still felt like a ton, uh, asking me to run a TMNT game when that game comes out. Thank God that hopefully won't be for like a year. <laughs> um, one other thing I want to show. Oops, apparently I have to do it this way. Oh, I can share this and say, hey, I like that option. Um, 
the weekly news. So obviously, by now, anybody who follows our channel knows about uh, you know, the the TMNT Kickstarter. If not, got a whole got five videos out of that live stream last week. You can go check those out. But also, one more time, got the Christmas surprise package stuff. In the meantime, Kevin and Sean, I think, are looking for venues to be on. I sent them a bunch of venues, including one that hates me. That's right. I I sent Kevin and Sean. I said you should probably check this one out as well of people who say I would never be on their show because they would never let me be on their show, but I think it would be good for Palladium to go and advertise stuff there. So, yeah, you know, I'm I'm not a, I'm not that kind of dick like some of those other folks are. But yeah, um that's really the only main thing going on now. I was going to do it in the other order. I was going to do this first, but uh, you know, TMNT, hopefully you guys have uh backed that. If not, well, Again, I can I can throw links in the description, but uh, and we got the Christmas surprise. That's all I wanted to say. Well, Heathen Dog was out, so are you gonna get anything for the Christmas surprise package, Heathen Dog? Oh yeah, I haven't decided yet, but yeah. Sweet. Hey, you know, I appreciate that. I do, I do appreciate that. But also, let's look at this one other way. If I was running a game, I wouldn't have this show, and I wouldn't be able to talk to you guys. Yeah, there's that. Yeah. All right, let me get your your stuff up. And uh yeah, whenever you are ready. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Rips Bionic Sourcebook. Now, unlike the other world books and such, there's no plot here. There's no grand campaign, none of that. All of this basically replaces the cybernetics and bionics in the main book. Now, I'm going to get into why it should replace and not coexist after this. We believe that role-playing games should take place in fantastic worlds. The focus of the game should be on role-playing and having a good time. The core values of Hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural, organic inclusion, not forced diversity. The charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, a national nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Please refer to the description below for the link to where you can make your hopefully tax-deductible donation. Join us Thursday and Saturday evenings on twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth to watch Heathen Dog and his team of dirty casuals play multiplayer games for your mockery and enjoyment. Here on our YouTube channel, you can watch these game-related segments live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Central Time or check out the Friday Night Chill stream where our panel of guests opine, comment, and editorialize on the TTRPG hobby as a whole. Please like this video and leave a comment to appease the algorithm gods. Share this video on your favorite social media platforms to help us peer out of the shadows cast over us. And if you have not done so already, please subscribe to Legion Myth for more tabletop RPG goodness. Really, you starred that one? <laughs> yeah, I wanted I wanted to jump. <laughs> anyway, so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about what are cybernetics and bionics, the history of it, you know, how how it survived the the dark ages after the cataclysm and then we're going to talk about some of the bionics in this book medical bionics cosmetic or medical cybernetics medical uh, or cosmetic cybernetics and bionics themselves and there is a difference between them and we're going to find that out just now 
So right now we're going to go to... I, I'm really interested in this book because I have it. And as Heathen Dogs mentioned a few times, when I play Rifts, I tend to play Borgs, but I've never used this book before. So uh, it's going to be... He's actually introducing it to me even though I have it. There you go. Now, why did they make the Bionic Sword? Why did Kevin okay this? I mean, there's Bionics and Cybernetics. There, there's Cybernetics in the main book that is pretty extensive, right? I mean, it's it's a, especially in the Ultimate Edition. Well... There was a lot of stuff that was supposed to go into the Game Master Guide and they just didn't have space for it. They didn't want to throw it away because it was all useful stuff. So they made this book. Now, what I recommend is that you do not use this book as a supplement to the Bionics in the main book or Cybernetics in the main book. Use this as a replacement. Why? Well... Oh. <sighs> Palladium has what everyone recognizes as a power creep problem as the years go by. If you look at a book that came out 20 years ago and look at a book that came out five years ago, most of the time you're going to find lots of lots of places in it where it's a lot more powerful today than the book 20 years ago. Well, you can have that problem here as well. Even though the cybernetics or bionics is, is seemingly a reprint, it's going to be either cheaper, it's going to uh, do more things or it's going to do things better. The targeting eye is going to be a better targeting eye. It's going to be a cheaper targeting eye. It's good. So do not let yourself run in that situation unawares because I know you're not going to memorize exactly what every cybernetic system does. So you know exactly where to cut and paste this into your, no, just use this as a replacement. Okay. Once you have this book and you're going to use it, use it for all cybernetics and bionics. Do not even use any from the main book. Historically, cybernetics wasn't really a thing until the golden age of humanity. So in the 20th century and the early 21st century, we had a semblance of cybernetic systems. We now, current day, have replacement arms and legs that move in a fashion that, that is like the original. Fair enough. But... When the golden age of humanity hit, the latter part of the 21st century is when cybernetic limbs universally became better than your regular limbs. Stronger, faster, more durable, able to hide stuff, including guns. You could do all of that now. And it seemed that every week or even sometimes every day, there was a new bionic or cybernetic breakthrough. If you want to categorize broadly enough, juicer and crazy conversions are cybernetic enhancements. The uh, the crazy has brain enhancements to unlock the potential of the body. Well, these are cybernetic systems implanting your brain to do that. The juicer variant, you are you're putting medical nanites in the person's body. No, oh, they include nanites. Not, it's not yes. just drugs. Okay, I didn't no, know that. It's medical nanites constantly giving fraction of a second updates on the on the body's uh the the body's state and what can and what uh, drugs can and cannot be inserted at this second that's that's how you get a juicer and not have him just explode like like a giant meat balloon because you put a little too much adrenaline in there whoops no the medical nanites like i said every fraction of a second they they give back telemetry to the uh the unit that handles the drugs. Okay. So they are cybernetic. Now, well, 
when the cataclysm happened and the dark ages came about, well, how, how did cybernetics survive? So many other technologies did not survive. How did cybernetics? Well, they were too damn useful, too damn useful. A cybernetic arm has crushing strength of mega damage potential. A cybernetic arm does not need to be disinfected, does, does, not, does not get uh, sick, doesn't do any of that. And when life and death is at most a few seconds away every moment of the day, anything will do and cybernetics does the job keeping people alive. So cybernetics and bionics were not lost because they were useful in this dark age type society for survival. And then of course, you know, you had the cyberdoc OCC that comes up. I'm going to talk about OCCs in the next video, but all of that survived because of utility. And uh in here it gives it gives uh, availability of of cybernetic systems based on the area of the world you are in for example if you are in uh if, if you are a coalition state citizen medical cybernetic and cosmetic cybernetic is readily available to you combat cybernetics and bionics no illegal but you go over to kingston and oh my God, it's a treasure trove. Japan, oh my God, Germany, woo! You, anyone can well, get getting it. there's a little bit of a problem. Uh, well, yeah, they, well, they, they are fighting giant gargoyles, so they need all the help they can get. So, you know, whatever, right? So it depends on where you are in the world, but it gives it in this book. The, readil, the readiness, the availability, the price change. Think about that, price change. Because the more rare something is, the more expensive it is. You know, not everyone's a Ferengi, but this is pretty much business, right? That's how it works. <laughs> so you you can you can get all you can get all of that done. It depends on where you are for availability and price, right? Okay, so let's look at the difference between cybernetics and bionics. With rare exceptions, cybernetic devices are light mechanical prosthetics, implants, and minor forms of mechanical augmentation. They include prosthetic limbs, internal organs used in medical procedures as replacements slash substitutes for natural body parts lost or damaged through injury or disease. There's artificial heart, artificial lungs, artificial liver, artificial eyes. All this stuff is considered cybernetic. It is replacing what was never there or what, what, what was there in the first place. And its main job is to do what the other thing you replaced did. You replace your eyes. You want to see, but, but better. You replace your heart because it was damaged. Well, now it does everything your heart used to do, but better, right? That's, that's cybernetic. And then we get to bionics. In the world of rifts, bionics are biomechanical weapons and combat systems. This isn't to keep you alive or to give you functionality you lost. This is new functionality just to screw people up. So I, I like that distinction, not because I think it's necessary or it matches real world definitions or whatever, but for game purposes, I like the idea of having that distinction between bionics and cybernetics. It's one of those times where it's like, you know, you and I have talked about recently about, oh, a game will define things one way or another, whether, you know, well or, or poorly or at the beginning of the book or you have to guess, whatever. But this definition works for me, whether it matches reality or not. Oh, it, it works really well because it makes a demarcation very, yes. very apparent 
in the book for for places where bionic and cybernetic systems are limited mm -hmm. especially in the coalition states you are not allowed unless you're military you're not getting anything that starts with the word b and ends with ionics you're not getting it you don't need it whereas other places they're a little more forthcoming because they need it to just help the place survive we need as many people with with bionic systems like you have a gun pop out of your head great you can shoot animals and and dbs and and demons and all that kind of stuff with it to protect you and your family okay yeah all right that's fine so Confusion between cybernetic and bionic arises from the fact that bionics are advanced cybernetic systems, biomechanical devices that connect and or replace living body parts with machine parts to make the individual more powerful, faster, stronger, etc. Like medical and commercial cybernetics, these devices are designed to respond to neurological impulses and functions. For example, a bionic replacement arm is likely to have extraordinary strength with a physical strength rating in the 20s, while a cybernetic one seldom exceeds physical strength of 10. This really, again, sets it up that a bionic system is a combat system. Mm -hmm. The normal person does not need to be able to lift a car because he doesn't never need to be able to lift a car, right? But you probably do need a second arm in order to do routine exactly. actions in life. Yes. You need to be able to tie your shoes, right? So I want a second arm. You need to be able to, you know, just like uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, you want one, one hand for work and one hand for your wife. And the hand for work <laughs> is the cybernetic system. That's great, right? Awesome. But bionics is for combat. If it's 51% for combat, it's bionic. Hunter, all the time. Now, it's up to the GM, whether 49, 45, whatever percent. If, it's, if most of its utility is in combat, he's going to say it's bionic. But if most of its utility is out of combat, you can easily say it's cybernetic. And then you can adjust the rules accordingly. Okay. Uh, now, here's the big thing with both cybernetic and bionic systems. If you are replacing limbs, uh, tongue, jaw, face, uh, groin, whatever, you are not going to have the level of sensory input that your natural limbs or body well, parts Then don't would replace have. my groin then. Well, you know what? If you get your groin shot off, I'd rather have one that has, say, a sense of touch for bionic system is usually around 20, 20 to 35 percent normal with bio systems as high as 56. Number one, if you're going to spend the extra money for more sensation, make it important. All right. Spend that money wisely. But let, let, let's say your groin's fine. You're just talking about your hand. Awesome. Great. A cybernetic or bionic system will give you tactile response. But it'll be at a fraction of what your non-bionic or cybernetic hand is. So bear that in mind. A lot of times, the game master will give you a skill penalty based off of this lack of tactile response. For example, lockpicking. That is almost all tactile. You, you're feeling the tumblers move into place. Well, if you only feel 25% normal, well, it's going to be harder to pick a lock, right? It's going to be harder. Things like that are going to happen. Be ready for it. And we will now move to the different kinds of cyber and bio systems. The first one is medical, which is on page 30, which is right here. Medical cybernetics. These are, I'm not going to go through all of these. I'm just going to give 
examples, right? Okay. Medical, blood analysis and tox screen. It is a little implant, like a baby version of, of, the, of the juicer's medical system. It will tell you at a, at a moment's notice what exactly is in your blood, if there are any toxins, any foreign elements. If there, if there are, it'll tell you the concentration and, and lethality or, or uh, be able to predictably uh, say how long this stuff will last in your system before your body gets rid of it, stuff like that. It's more informational, but it can come in handy. You know, you could get it. Another one is mechanical cybernetic system. The disadvantage, other than its more obvious artificial nature, is that there is no true sense of touch, only sensors designed to respond to heat and pressure. The lack of touch can be emotionally and mentally debilitating. However, the mechanical substitute is still a marvelous alternative to no limb at all. Skill penalty. Here's the skill penalty I was talking about. Minus 15% to skills that require manual dexterity and touch due to lack of full articulation That's and little or no sense of touch. Only minus five for biosystems because biosystems are kind of like the uh, the techno-organic type thing. I right? would have thought that that penalty would have been much greater. You would think, but but there is another downside to having the reduced uh, sense of touch, well, especially also, it's, for it's a, a full game, conversion cyborg. And it's cinematic. And so. it's cinematic, but you're going to get some mental problems. All full, <laughs> all, all full Borgs get mental problems because all you are is a brain, brain stem, maybe a little bit of your stomach, and that's probably going to be about it. You are, you are less human than RoboCop, for crying out loud. He had more flesh than you do. I was fine. There's going to be some mental problems in there. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, cybernetic appendages, prosthetics, and bone. You get a finger replacement, a foot replacement. Now, these are all cybernetic. So if you look at the strength, PS 8 to 10. SDC, this is not mega damage material we're talking about. This is SDC material because no one needs a mega damage arm if you're just a dude right no one needs that sorry just a pipe fitter i don't i don't need to <laughs> yeah you don't you don't need that nonsense right so you get you get an sdc for your arm but to be fair 2d6 plus 25 for just your arm that's more than the average person has on their whole body so you know you're still winning cybernetic hand hand and forearm it gets more and more it depends on what you lost and where and where they had to amputate or or where where the where the plasma bolt hit is how much you're going to replace now the only the only real difference at this point is how much money it's going to cost because <laughs> if you replace your hand or replace your forearm and your hand well your tactile function is going to be the same your strength is going to be the same between eight and ten and the sdc that's going to vary a little bit up because you know there's more metal so you have a higher sdc total for that for that side of you but other than that yeah, it's just amount of money right yeah ten thousand. I'm i'm sure people have that just laying around just laying just laying about yeah i'm sure they do uh biosystem those are biosystems. i'm not going to get into that just yet um eye replacements internal organ replacement now look at this seventy thousand, fifty thousand. artificial heart dude you need a heart right are you going to quibble about the price? Well, you're not. Maybe your next of kin are because they're going <laughs> to they're, they're not going to, you know, get as much money from you when you die because you now you're broke. Or or they're going to be paying off the mafia instead of you. Exactly, right? So, you know, there's that. But if you need a new heart, I don't care if it says a billion, you're just going to finance it. I mean, come on. You're just going to. 
you're going to do whatever you need to do to get that new heart because you're going to die. Same mine, thing with liver or kidney, you know, lungs. Eh, ask, ask John Wayne. You can live with one. You're fine. Right. I, I wouldn't even quibble about the 70,000 credits because my dad, I saw the bill for my dad's open heart surgery. Yeah. It was a lot, many times more than yeah. that 70,000 credits. So, you know, uh, how much is surgery going to cost on top of that artificial heart? But hey, hey outside. Yeah, there it is. So yeah, there, there is that. Next one we're going to go through is cosmetic. Uh, universal head jack and ear implant. Universal head jack. If you haven't played Shadowrun, you may not know what this means. Let's, let's read it up. This is a special connector or jack that is built into the skull, usually at the base of the head or behind the ear. A tiny receiver is then inserted into the ear and linked to this head jack. The combination enables characters to plug into audio, sensory, robot, and computer equipment, including most communications equipment, radios, video systems, whatever. The, the head jack receives transmissions from the device that is plugged into it and transmits them to the tiny receiver inside the ear. Th think of it like this. You, you plug in uh, a surveillance system into your head jack, and the, the data is changed over into voice and it talks into your ear. Siri is now telling you what your radar system is seeing. Okay. That sounds good. The only thing better, I guess, would be uh if you had an if you had an eye replacement that actually showed you the uh the actual implant, which I think there is one up in here, amplified oh amplified hearing, that's a good one. Yeah, the basic amplified hearing gives you plus three to initiative. That's great. You will like that a lot. Uh, what else we have? Uh, surveillance ear. This is an ear accessory that can be combined with a head jack, amplified or ultra ear, or most bionic and cybernetic ear implants. Surveillance ear can be tuned to listen to a specific hidden listening device, as well as work on something like a stethoscope or parabolic dish in which the character can press his ear to a wall to hear muffled but relatively clear conversation on the other side. I wouldn't get this. I'd say I put a glass to the to the door and I listen and you know whatever. It yeah this this is just the higher tech version of a glass. Uh let's Sorry, move this on. is relevant now. I'm putting it up now not waiting. Okay, Siri, what's uh, on the radar screen? I'm sorry. I can't find any rapier screams. Okay. Cuz you know how they're always mistaking what you're trying to say. Yes. Yes. And bionic systems. Now playing screams. Though it uses many of the cybernetic principles, bionics goes far beyond simple replacement of organs and limbs. Bionics is a cybernetic process designed to create super soldiers by removing the majority of the human body and replacing with superior mechanical facsimiles. Again, for combat. Bionics are for combat only. Bionic augmentation is a thing and you can become an OCC if you get too much of it. All right. Isolated bionic augmentation is the term used when individual receives minor bionic reconstruction, an internal organ or a few bionic implants. For example, an individual has one arm replaced with a more powerful bionic hand or arm. Now, this is not your cybernetic arm replacement with a normal strength of eight to ten. This is a cybernetic arm replacement made of MDC with MDC armor and robotic strength, which means it does MDC damage with crushing. Maybe with punching, but it depends on how much more of your body is actually replaced as well. So this is the combat version of that. Just one, 
you're probably fine. You're probably fine. You don't have to change OCCs. You're good. You start getting more than that. Well, it gets a little weird. Who can is, get is, bionics? So real quickly, it looks like it is going to, but does the book actually say that it changes or is that, is that a you rule? No, that that's a book rule. It's going to get okay. okay, cool. Only a cyborg OCC can get full bionic conversion replacement of 70 to 90% of their body with bionics. Those who value their humanity are more conservative and elect to do a partial reconstruction, usually a max of four bionic, four bionic parts or four limbs with weapon systems, bionic reinforcement and numerous bionic implants that replace 30 to 50% of their body. But that's where they draw the line. That's where they draw the line. If you're right? not doing 90, you're not doing it right. There you go. The headhunter OCCs are generally considered to be partial cyborgs. However, many headhunters are less than partial Borgs with only one or two bionic limbs and numerous cybernetic and bionic implants. Likewise, many military and other OCCs can get minor implants and prosthetics as needed for medical purposes, but these are considered minor augmentations and none of the recipients are, are true partial or full conversion cyborgs. These OCC characters seldom have more than one or two bionic prosthetics, rarely anything as extreme as a partial reconstructions and never a full conversion. And that's where they, that's where they draw the line in, in the book. Uh, those who value their humanity are more conservative and elect to a partial reconstruction, usually opting for two to four limbs. If you have more than, than four than limbs, thirty-three percent of your body, you now must be a headhunter OCC. If you have more than fifty or seventy percent of your body replaced, you must now be a cyborg or a Borg OCC. Now, the way you change OCC in this game is you just do it. You have all your other skills, but now you start at level one in this new OCC. All of that stuff is is written in stone you cannot all you cannot alter it make it better do anything with very few caveats it's now locked and you're now advancing in this new occ forever now is it truly forever maybe not right i mean because there are uh there are bio replacements that are fully uh fully flesh and can be grown and then put on your body. And then if you replace enough metal with actual flesh, you are no longer a bionic. So if I'm OCC. a full conversion board, can you replace that with a with a stem cell and make me a body? We can make you a body and transfer your brain to it. Yes. If you have the money. Wait, so these people can't do upkeep on computers, but they can do brain transplants? <laughs> well, now. Now, remember, it's been 300 years since the cataclysm. So now they can do it. Now. All right. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Bionics and the supernatural. Oh, uh, magic and 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 cybernetics and bionics. They don't mix. All right. If you are a magic or psychic using character, you will stay away from cybernetic and bionic implants like they're the devil because they are. Even a single bionic implant will severely inhibit your power as a spellcaster or a psionic. And when I say severely, I'm talking, oh, I don't know, all of it? If you get more than one, where is it at? Uh, bionics and cybernetics, other than biosystems, destroys magic and psionic powers. For a supernatural being or creature of magic to submit to bionic alteration is actually to strip itself of its true natural powers. Fate worse than death. To these beings, bionics does not represent augmentation, but serious crippling. 
I believe that one, one bionic or cybernetic augmentation destroys half of your ISP and PPE and more than one stops you from using that power, your powers altogether. Wow. Altogether. Just done. And if you're a supernatural being who doesn't auto-regenerate and you have some cool power like shape-shifting, guess what? No, you don't. Because if you shape-shift, you're going to shape-shift around your bionic implant. If it was a lung implant or a heart implant or a liver implant or a or a bionic arm, guess what? It's on the ground now. You turned into a werewolf. Your heart no longer fits, dummy. Think about it. You just killed yourself. Oops. <laughs> All right. Most human and human-like DBs can get bionic and cybernetic implants. Humans, obviously, 100%. Elves, dwarves, very close to human. They might have some rejection, but for the most part, they can get almost anything as well. The more inhuman you get, the harder and harder it is to put it in. Say Prometheans. And, go ahead. Prometheans. Prometheans, no. Impossible. Oh. Impossible. Uh, the, the, the wolf race. What are they called? Wolfen? Wolfen. There you go. Wolfen and orcs far enough away from human to where eh, probably not going to work. Anything more than that is not going to work. It's not going to work. Normal human bionics and uh, and cybernetics are just not going to work. Uh, most immortal beings and creatures capable of bioregeneration and or metamorphosis shape changing cannot get cybernetic implants or bionics of any kind. Your body will just reject it or the moment that you shape change, you're going to die. So, no. Switching from one OCC to a bionic OCC. Here's where the, here's where the game talks about that. Here are all the rules for that. I'm not going to get into it. Because it, it basically you're uh, you have to move to a bionic or cybernetic OCC depending on how many implants you get. That's it. You get too many implants. Well, guess what? You're gonna you're gonna change classes. And this isn't gonna be a shock to you. You're gonna know. This is gonna be a conscious decision. The game master should not surprise you with this. That's dumb. <laughs> oh, surprise! You got one one implant too many. Now you're a headhunter or now you're a Borg. Ha <laughs> ha. No, no, that, that's a really bad game master. Don't let him do that. All right. Switching classes is something you have to know about and you have to approve of by getting the implant anyway. Right. So this is the difference between bionics, cybernetics, gave you some example bionics and cybernetics and uh, what is the, the main uh, definition of both since they both seem to be the same thing now you know not combat combat cybernetic bionic there it is so what do we have for questions we got a couple here let's uh travis j 1975 says max is a completely different kind of dick now for people i who agree don't know, know the reference to that before we even started recording this video <laughs> we were talking about me not being a dick like that and then, you know, I had to start that one. Just a different flavor of ass. Different, different, gross. <laughs> Bill H says, uh, what, would you, uh, what would you make that role to install a cyber heart? Okay. Um, now, there, there is, it, the, this book also gets into surgery and surviving the surgery. 
if you are a human, for the most part, you're probably going to survive. It's very low chance of rejection or failure unless you have some kind of, uh, you know, idiot cyber doc doing it for you. It's like, it's my first day. I didn't clean the equipment exactly like the instruction said, but it'll be fine. You don't, you leave at that point. You don't, I'm like, no, no, I'm good. As long as you do that, you're you okay. You walk in now, there, it looks more like a butcher's office than, or a, but, a exactly, butchery than you know, a... <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the exact same thing as if you go to a restaurant, you're going to have a function at that restaurant. You ask to see the kitchen right after they're done making the food. It should still be clean. Then, 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 you know, they got the hygiene on point. And, and your, your, your guests who you're inviting to eat here are not going to be on the toilet for 24 hours. So you want to do the same thing to your cyber doc. If you look, look at his lab and it's all got blood stains everywhere and, and viscera stuck in the light fixture up there because he can't reach it. Someone will get it, that. <laughs> get out. He's got a broom get up out. there. Cobwebs. Exactly. You know, just get out, get out. Other than that, you should be fine. Okay. But, uh, but ultimately it's, uh, I mean, unless his book says something different, it would be what a medical doctor role to, uh, then would it just be, it'd just be one role, right? Cyber doc skill plus okay. or minus some, some bonuses and, and, uh, okay. situations and whatever, but under normal circumstances, unrushed, purely relaxed medical environment, you're probably going to be okay. As a matter of fact, a lot of GMs, unless there is a reason they hand wave it, you got the money. He's reputable. This is legal. Hand wave it. Just do it. I recommend that. And so if your arm is MDC and you punch something, is your shoulder going to take MDC damage from the recoil? There, there's, there's a, there's a good, uh, good question. No, but I would not allow you to punch with mega damage force because everyone knows most of the punch does not come from your arm. It comes from your entire body. And if you use your arm as a mega damage damage source and you involve your entire body and the rest of your body is flesh, whoops, you just ripped your arm off from your torso. Now, the, the only surefire mega damage thing you can do with your arm is crushing force. If you have at least a hand or more, you have crushing force that does mega damage. Awesome. That's great. But if you want to punch with mega damage, you also have to get some spinal stuff, some hip stuff, maybe. It's up to the game master, but you need more than just starting at your shoulder. You're going to need some some uh, upgrade to your basic frame to handle that kind of uh, that kind of explosive damage. This is the one time where Heathen Thug's the dick and I'm not. Because <laughs> Would, uh... you wouldn't care. No, I, 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 because I look at the game as being cinematic and I don't want to worry about that. Now, there are some times when, look, just because you have a PS24 strength, you know, robotic strength arm doesn't mean you're lifting a car. You know, there are some things you wouldn't be able to, now maybe you'd be able to lift it up to save somebody, but you're not taking it over your head and hulking out with that thing just because your one arm can do that. No, you know, that'd flatten you. But to do a mega damage punch, if that's what comes with having that uh, that arm, I would let you do that again for the purpose of it just being a cinematic game and for ease. I don't think that Heathen Dog's wrong because I want to give that answer, but I also don't want to go, and, oh, well, you have to have nine struts that come back. I just don't want no, to deal I, with that. So I get it. I get it. Now, to be fair, Palladium does have a precedent for this. In Heroes Unlimited, if you want to be the cybernetic hero and you want to actually do do the increased damage with your artificial limb, you need uh, structural support throughout your entire body. It clearly states it. 
Okay. So there, there, there is precedent for that in Palladium. It's fair enough. So there you go. What uh, else we got? Nope, that, that was it. But that does that's show it, that, that, that the game is flexible enough to handle how you want to run it. If you yes. like the heathen dog method, go with him. If you like mine, go with mine. The game isn't going to put everything out there and stop flipping through. Well, I can't find where it says. Well, then you don't, you don't have to have the, the framework Sometimes is there. You, you figure out the rest. Yep. So in the next video, we are going to talk about the refreshed OCCs. There's no new OCCs here. There's there's refreshed ones. City Rat, CyberDoc, and Borg are the ones I'm going to focus on. I have to step away for just a moment. And also, we forgot to do that. So there you go. You're on top. Right. I will give you... You know what to click on afterward? Afterward? Oh, here. I'll, st I'll, stay, I'll stay here for the, uh, for the ads and so forth. So do your intro. And then I've got to step away for two minutes. Actually, just go ahead and step away right now. I'll, I'll talk to the folk. Okay. So a uh, couple of things I didn't put into the uh, the video about uh, about the cybernetics and bionics and stuff is uh, I didn't want to, number one, I didn't want to get dragged down in pricing. That doesn't really matter when you're introducing the content. Pricing doesn't matter. I don't really care about that. And I didn't get specifics into what makes you a bionic OCC and what not because it's a range and I want the game master to have full utilization of that range to be able to make a judgment call. You know, what if you have, uh, you, you were shot with a laser and your game master does, does lasers like say lightsabers where sure you got stuck in the gut. Qui-Gon got stuck in the gut, but that thing is, as hot as the surface or more as the surface of the sun, all of your internal organs just got cooked. Well, you can replace those. Yay. I have a cybernetic stomach, cybernetic lung, cybernetic heart, cybernetic spleen, whatever you get all that replaced. Well, what if now 50% or more of your body is cybernetic? Are you now a Borg OCC? I would give the game master leeway on that one and say, no, none of these are bionic. So I'm not going to make you Borg. The very most you'd have to change to a Manhunter or a City Rat. But you know what? Since these are all medical and they don't give you any bonuses really besides staying alive, what your other organs did anyway, I won't have you change classes. Unless, of course, you're a spellcaster or a psionic, then you have to change classes because you're no longer able to cast spells or use psionic powers. Uh... Oh, Jack's for Mortal Kombat. Combat. Yep. Yep. Strong enough to fight these guys without it. Oh, and in Heroes Unlimited, uh, in, in Heroes Unlimited, there is a maximum differential in strength because Heroes Unlimited is not an MDC environment. It's SDC. So it's, it's, reg it's not mega damage damage. It's still regular damage. But let's say you have a normal strength of 20, but you have a, you have a cybernetic arm of 25. That is not a significant difference. I would give you no minuses to use that arm to its full potential and your body is going to be fine. But if your normal body's a 10 and this thing's a 25, that is a 15 point swing more than double your normal strength. You cannot use your, the full strength of your arm without a uh, anchor points and reinforcement of your, of the skeleton of your body or B 
taking damage every time you do it as your arm wants to just really, really wants to tear itself away from your body. Are you back now? Okay, good. All right. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Riff's Bionic Sourcebook. This is our second video where we're going to look at the new refreshed OCCs, the Cyberdoc, the City Rat, and the Borg. And let's see what kind of changes this book has made to some of the more classic classes in this game. The core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural organic inclusion, not forced diversity. Please follow that QR code or refer to the description below for the link to the charity we support, which is the Wounded Warrior Project. Thursdays and Saturdays, you can watch the Dirty Casuals on twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth. Fridays and Sundays, you can watch the Friday Night Chill Stream and RPG Digest on our YouTube and Rumble channels. Please leave us a comment with your thoughts and experiences, and if you like our gaming content, please be sure to subscribe to Legion of Myth. All right, welcome back, and we're going to start off with the Cyberdoc. Now, in a lot of games that I've played in and run, no one wants to play the Cyberdoc. They don't want to. I can kind of understand that. Here's the thing, though. If you have a Borg or a Manhunter or even really a City Rat with, with this book, having a Cyberdoc is going to save you so much money on maintenance, installation, and repair of your cybernetic systems. He's worth it. I mean, last year we spoke at length about how awesome the operator is if you have mech, especially a Glitter Boy. In your party, the operator is the glitter boy's best friend. Blood who wants brother, to be even. the oper operator though, oh, and, oh, and in this case, yeah. who oh, wants to be the cyber doc? But the operator is to the is to the uh, glitter boy as the cyber doc is to the Borg. Everything's going to be easier. The Borg's life is going to be easier with a cyber doc around. Well, let's see exactly what they do. They are surgeons. To be fair, they're surgeons. They, 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 have, they have the knowledge of the human body coupled with knowledge of cybernetic and bionic systems. So they can do both. Technically, they can do both. Great. They usually wander around. They're, they're usually uh, traveling doctors because they go where the money is. They go where the work is. Right? So what can they do? You have to have an IQ of 11 or higher and a physical prowess of 12 or higher. You don't want your doctor to be dumb or be goddamn Butterfinger. You don't want that. You don't want that in your doctor. So there's a minimum level of intelligence and hand-eye coordination required to perform this task. Literacy at plus 40%. That basically, no matter what, makes you at least 80. Even with the worst of them. Spoken language. Your native tongue plus one additional at plus 20. Advanced mathematics, mathematics. Medical doctor plus five. MD of cybernetics plus 10. Pathology, plus 10. Biology, plus 20. Chemistry, plus 10. See, you have everything a doctor has. You're not quite as skilled. You don't get the big bonuses, right? But you still get bonuses, and you can do cybernetic stuff too. It's having a doctor plus. So, you know, you have your healer plus. 
He can replace limbs where normal healers can't. He can replace organs where normal healers can't, right? It's good stuff. And uh, cybernetics. The cyberdoc, unlike the body fixer, sees cybernetics and augmentation of the human body as good and a wondrous thing. Consequently, there is nothing wrong with implants. They are likely to have cybernetic implants themselves. Whether the character has cybernetic implants, body parts is left up to the player. It's up to you. But you can have, you can select at start 1d4 plus 2 mechanisms from any of the cybernetic categories, excluding the multi-optic eye, though other bionic eyes are acceptable, disguises an oxygen cell. Oxygen cell is a... No, now, if we're getting really weird about the definition of cybernetics and bionics, I'm seeing I can have cybernetics. That's great. But then it says, uh, was it, but other bionic eyes are except so I can have a bionic eye? I can have a combat this, eye as long is, as it isn't that one? This is special to the cyberdoc, right? If the decision is yes, the cyberdoc can select 1D4 plus 2 mechanisms from any of the cybernet categories, excluding these. Uh, you know, a, a sensor and or surgical hand are common bionic augmentation for the surgeon, but is usually limited to one limb. So you can choose these in the beginning. Mm -hmm. You can choose these because you're a cyber doc. This is special. Remember, you are, you are, you're not just the recipient. You know, you're also, you're also, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, the hair loss guy. I'm not just a patient. I'm, I'm not just an owner. I'm the patient type guy. Mm -hmm. Same thing here. Right. He, he's going to have access to better toys because, you know, he has access to better. Toys. I, I just I just wanted to be clear about the uh, the difference between the cybernetics versus bionics since bionics is weaponry. I'm not saying he can have weapon, but then it said about that. I like, OK, you can pick cybernetics. That makes perfect sense. You can pick all types of yeah. cybernetics, you know, to improve, improve your doctrine. But then it used that word bionics there with the eye. And I was like. Excluding the multi-optic eye, but other bionic eyes are acceptable. Yeah. Now, bionic eyes usually interface with military technology of some kind. Mm -hmm. Like if you have a targeting eye that is actually connected to a sensor on your gun, and it will actually show you where the where the gun is pointed in your eye. Well, if you adjust that a little bit, that's great for surgery. You know, if if you if you put a sensor on your on your bionic surgery limb and you put it in the body, it can act like a scope. I, I, I have no issues with it. I just wanted to be clear. Like I said, that, uh, you know, because that he spent a lot of time with the two terms between cybernetics and bionics. Yeah. And wanted My ruling on this is easy. If, if this thing is effective in combat, it's bionic. You have mm -hmm. to be a special OCC to get it. Okay. If it's not effective in combat, it's cybernetic. And it's probably fine. That's fair enough. You as the GM, it's up to you to differentiate between the two. All right. Next one is going to be the city rat. Oh, right here. <laughs> okay. Most gamers don't think of the city rat as a cybernetic OCC, but they are. They use a variety of cybernetic implants to distinguish themselves and to aid them at, at a, as a street level inform information brokers. Now, here's the thing that this book changes about the city rat. If you looked at the 1994 version, a city rat was just a dude who, who knew a lot about, about cities, this city in particular, how they work, how to get information, how to steal the things, you know, whatever. He was, he was your fixer, broker, spy, all in one, as long as you're in the city. Now, this book really fleshes out city rats and gives them different areas of expertise based on the kinds of cybernetics they wish to take as okay. an example. 
Let's move on. City Rat Archetype. And we're going to move to... Uh, here's the City Rat. Your basic City Rat gets his skills, gets his stuff. Cybernetic Implants. The City Rat Archetype starts with 1d4 plus 1 Cybernetic Implants. It is entirely up to the player to decide whether his or her character has any implants, and if so, which ones. The initial implant section is restricted to common commercial and black market cybernetics okay especially excluding cyber armor sensor hands that's from the cyber doc don't don't get weird on me radio supplements to the head jack multi-optic eye at least to start you don't get it off the bat These and this items, is for the generic city rat yes for the generic city rat and then we have the archetypes hero rat the hero rat is generally an anarchist in the full sense of the word. He sees himself as a self-styled vigilante and swashbuckler <laughs> who protects the weak and helps the poor of the city. He operates beyond the law and believes that basically you're a you're a, a, camp, a campaigning hero. In your head, you're doing the right thing, even if you're doing things that are technically bad. Well, I'm doing the right, right thing because I'm sticking to the man. Right. And then you would get cybernetics that help you do these things. Now, now, these archetypes do not change the functionality of your OCC. You're still a city rat, but it changes your focus of this OCC. General city rats do anything, but if you use one of these foci, these archetypes, then you are, you are kind of like giving up part of it, but really getting good at sections of it. Then okay. we have here other city rats, uh, zero type, blah, blah, blah. Uh, hack rat, <laughs> arguably the most hooked in and independent and successful information brokers in the burbs and big cities are the hack rats, computer whiz kids, hackers, snoops, thieves, and information dealers. Now you as this form of city rat would have a whole lot of sensory and, and, uh, and machine melding technologies put into you head jack. Definitely replacement. eye that, that gives you an led screen. Definitely. An ear that will hear through walls. Definitely. Stuff like this is going to be your bread and butter. So you're going to focus on these kinds of cybernetics. You still get the 1D4 plus one, but it's going to be more in a vein of, of spying and information hacking. Then we get to the here is I am angry behind my keyboard warrior. Ah. <laughs> that dude look like then too we, much of a jock to be a keyboard warrior. Come on. Maze Rat. And it says runners, like the like the failed Maze Runner series. I don't like it. Are usually young city rats or rats in training who know the streets, alleys, access tunnels, sewers, rooftops, and hiding places. You now are focusing in the part of a city rat that knows people who know people who know people who can get things done. Your main thing is information. You know where all the major players are. You have ends with them. You can make introductions. You can sell wares as a fence. You know where to get loans that won't, the, the loan shark won't immediately break your legs if you don't pay them off right away, right? You know that guy. All right, so you are a version of the city rat that focuses on this. This is... He looks like a he looks like a doofus, but okay, whatever. Can I can I, be, can, can I be a minotaur? No. Oh. Pack rat. Pack rats just don't collect and hoard bits of seemingly minor and worthless information items. No, but also gather and work in close-knit groups or packs to seemingly 
get minor and worthless information and items. <laughs> so these these uh, city rats work together to create their own network of not information, but equipment and sell it for profit. Okay. But the cool thing is they know how to get stuff. Oh, I, I, I need to buy this, this rare mechanical device. Oh, I know a guy who knows a guy. I, I, can, I can get it for you wholesale. Give me some money. Do you, do you do a lot of city campaigns with your riffs? Not at... See, that's the thing is, is the ones that I've been in, like, again, I don't think you were my game master. I think it was Al and Bob that were, Mm -hmm. um, and even outside of that, like they tend to be more, I hate to say it, but they kind of Dungeons and Dragons style where we're going from place to place. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so I I haven't had a lot of opportunity to see so Cause this honestly, to me, I can picture this as a TV show and I think that would be great. I have a hard time picturing this as a player character that I'd want to be. See, here's the problem with uh with riffs and doing a city campaign you will have to severely limit the possible occs especially if you're in north america there are some occs that can't go into cities because these cities are either super magic or super against magic there are very few cities that are on the fence now villages and towns that's different villages and towns are a little more open because they have to be they're not self-sufficient but mega cities where, where you could have entire campaigns of intrigue in some OCCs are going to be limited in CS. You can't have magical or psionic OCCs without having some real trouble for the party. I mean, the in good the news is, is that you can do this. I mean, look, this, it's all available yeah. to you, it's but super you have to have the, you, well, I kind of think this goes back to what you're saying before. And I'm not trying to sidetrack things. I think this is actually a good place for this discussion is, um, where you're saying like not all OCCs, especially from other books, should be combined together. Well, in this case, each one of these have a niche. The every niche you want is in a book somewhere. You can mm-hmm. find ten types of combat or ten types. You can find a hundred types of combat uh, units from the headhunter to the Borg to the juicer, the crazy to you know uh, what uh, the military expert or what it's called. You know yada yada robot pilot you can find all types of information gathering run all these different types of city racks that are here the vagabond the uh, the uh the um well the wilderness scout the you know you can find all these things and anything in between magic psychics you know and combinations yep. go on having them all together at one time you, you like keaton dog just said if you're doing the city campaign you've got to run the city campaign tell the borg me Sorry, but you going clunk, clunk, clunk is going to be a little bit too noticeable. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, some places just aren't going to let you be there. And are those illegal bionics you have? Well, in, in a lot of major cities, unless you're unless you're of their military, any bionics is going to be illegal. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you may not be allowed in if you're a Borg. Or so a it is give and take. But, but that's good. To me, that's a good thing. It helps you tailor the groups. You could absolutely have the Cyberdoc, the Vagabond, the Borg, the Juicer. Uh, what's in between them? Uh, you know, Headhunter. The Headhunter. You, could, you absolutely could do that. But as a game master, you're going to have to make sure that they can all be viable in at the every same session. At the same time. Yeah. I didn't say great. I said viable. Viable. So. Yeah. Viable is important. Now let's look at the big one. There, there's a couple more city rat variants, but that's not, a, that's not as important. I just wanted you to know that they're there and why they exist and how they exist. The next one is the Borg. Cyborg revisited. That's a great picture. I know, right? You like Such that. a handsome guy. 
Yeah. For the sake of clarity, the subcategories of cyborg have been fleshed out into their own OCC classes or, or OCCs. They also take into consideration changes in so society's attitudes, the era of war and rebellion that has started with the siege on Tolkien, technological advancements over the last decade, and the influence. This is this is oh, wow. speak for power creep. Wait, wait, wait. What, what what year does this book take place? Like how many years this after book, the core book does it take place? Okay. Uh, the, the old book was 90 something or one. Oh, no, 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 I'm talking in, in, in Rift in, world. Yeah. This one, if it's, if it's after the siege on Tolkien, it's at least one fifteen to one twenty something like that. I, I, okay. I don't, I don't remember the, but it's, it's a decade or two from the main book. Okay. Is what, is what this book is. So bionic construction notes. MDC abonic limbs. It goes over this. Uh, some of it is the same as in the main book. Some of it is updated. So again, if you're going to use bionics and you have this book, you have to choose this book or the main book, not both. It's going to get weird if you do both. <laughs> Upper arm, foot, leg, head, main body, partial, main body, full. This is your basic stuff. If you replace an arm with a bionic equivalent, it will have 30 to 70 MDC. It will cost 2,000 credits per point of MDC above 30. So you get 30, then you can buy more. If you get a full conversion uh, deal on yourself, all four limbs, torso, most of your organs are now gone. It's just your brain, your spinal cord, and maybe a little bit of your stomach. This is what you get. 100 to 280 MDC, 2,000 credits for every MDC point above 100. Now, are you paying for the original 100? No, you're not. You get it free for your OCC because you're a Borg. You can choose partial or full. It's up to you. You don't have to be a full conversion cyborg to be a Borg OCC. Partial conversion will work. 50% of, of your body replaced, you can do that and still be a Borg. It's fine. They it's say, fine but, slow, but yeah, you, no, you're not a Borg. You can call yourself a Borg, but no. <laughs> yeah. Now MDC repairs. Wow. 1,000 to 2,000 credits per one MDC Jesus. point to repair body armor or structural damage to bionics. Throw this why book away. Why is it so expensive? I'll tell you why. To give you an opportunity to have a cyber doc or an operator in your group. Because an operator and a cyber doc are going to be able to do it either some of it for free or a lot of it on the cheap. I've just decided with that one paragraph, I hate this book. <laughs> <laughs> Base attribute level of the standard bionic prosthetic starts at 10, regardless of whether it's an arm or leg. Additional attribute points can be purchased at the cost of one to 3,000 per each limb. However, such improvements are often illegal and can never exceed 20 for partial or 32 for full conversion Borgs. Here's the thing. If you are a partial conversion cyborg, you are assumed to have the structural bracing to fully utilize your cybernetic arm up to robotic strength of 20. Now, this is robotic strength. Remember that. Robotic strength and normal human strength, vastly different. Now, if you're a full conversion cyborg, your body is much tougher and you can get a robotic strength of up to 32 and still be okay and not damage yourself every time you want to punch somebody or lift something. Great. Awesome. 32 is no joke, especially robotic strength. It's, it's roughly equivalent to supernatural strength. So it's good. 
very good. Souped up bionics. This is this is uh, new for this book, I believe. Experts like experienced cyberdocs can try to improve or soup up bionics and cybernetics by tweaking and adjusting the mechanical device to push up bionics. You're overclocking your arm, or your eye, or your heart, whatever. <laughs> he can overclock it. I'm a born juicer. There you go. But the maximum improvement is never more than 10 to 20% above the norm and costs for such improvements are double or triple the usual. For example, if you want to get cybernetic eyes, but you want them to be able to see further than normal cybernetic eyes. Well, the cyber dot can try and tune it in, can try and OC this thing. Give you 10 or 20% more range on your vision. Awesome. It's going to cost two or three times what a normal cyber eye is going to cost because he's not going to willy nilly this thing. It's going to be properly tested. It's going to be properly structurally fortified to withstand this new operating norm. So it doesn't just break down. Now, personally, in my game, if you decided that, no, no, I want you to overclock my arm, but I don't want to pay any extra for it. The doc will go, Okay, your funeral, he'll overclock your arm, but every time you use the, the plus 20% strength, it damages the arm. Sure. And, and as I'm... we know, repairing this crap <laughs> is expensive. <laughs> and if you have a cyber doc in the group, I would still, as a game master, say, hey, you know, you have the capability to do it, but you are going to need some sort of uh, supplies that would possibly be an adventure of its own for them to get. Higher cybernetic alien characters from another world or, or dimension may have technology and capabilities beyond those of Rifts. They they could have an attribute maximum as high as 42, 26, and speed of 200. You don't human, say. Human bionics only go so far. I mean, sure, compared to now, they're like Star Trek nonsense. But compared to alien species, it's basically replacing your arm with a hook. You know, it it's it's nowhere near what any what an alien species would say is l functional let alone good heathen dog do tell me how i get these alien uh cybernetics please well the easiest and most reliable way is to find an alien with the cybernetics shoot it in the head <laughs> and take it from him that's the best way to go just 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 saying there's the partial cyborg OCC, partial oh. bionic reconstruct. This just it's a it's a Borg. It's just you chose partial instead of full. You partially want to play. You partially want to play. <laughs> uh, it gives you maximum, maximum amount of cybernetics you can put in your body and still be this OCC. And it gives you MDC limbs, limits, arms, and hands, what you can have in it, what you get in it to, to start. Uh, armor types because the, the full conversion cyborg armor is different than the partial conversion cyborg armor. It gives less protection. And here's your partial Borg OCCs and your your skills, everything. That's great. Partial Borg OCC option number one, headhunter. Option number two doesn't say. There's only option one. Okay, so it's that and option one. Cyber humanoid OCC, light Full conversion cyborg. Uh, do we have a heavy full conversion cyborg? Yes, we do. Heavy combat cyborg. Full con Borg. 
This is Max's favorite thing. Over 90% of your body is now machine. More machine now than man. Exactly. Dar and evil. Darth Vader? Fleshy little bitch. I know, right? Robocop? Oh my God, you have so many chunks of just meat in you. You're Why gross. You Nobody needs a face. <laughs> no, you don't need a face. I got a brain, a spinal cord, and that's it. Everything yep. else is superhuman. Suck it, you partial meat suit chump. And then it gives you all the things you get by being, you, you get more. The more you decide to forsake you, your humanity, the more you get in return. You get better armor, better MDC, even without armor. You get free upgrades in your arms, your eyes, your ears, whatever. You get all this stuff. And then later on, you can improve or get more, especially if you have a cyber doc in your team on the cheap. It's great. You all going to look like this guy. <laughs> but hey, whatever. It's I mean, okay. I would not wear a poncho. <laughs> that is, but. I'm that's a style thing okay sure maybe he's poncho the cyborg and he's got it you know he's advertising now i don't know if everyone anyone knows this because i've been i've been scrolling through these occs for the borg pretty fast every single borg either partial or full has one thing in common when it comes to attribute requirements none of them are physical obviously mental doesn't matter you have to be this strong nope you can get replacements and be that strong. You'd be this fast. Oh, nope. You can buy the speed attribute up on all of your limbs and you're good to go. You got to be able to take need, it, baby. What you need <laughs> is mental endurance. You have to have the will to exist as I'll say it, a monstrosity, a caricature of humanity and still a keep lovely your metal beast. There you go. <laughs> and still keep your sanity. Now, now, to be fair, I, I'm I'm joking here a bunch about because I like I really do like the full conversion Borg. But yeah, if you're playing that as just I'm a I'm a human in a metal body without any of uh, how you say thought any of the drawbacks that would come with that. Uh, either either you have a bad game master, which shouldn't be forcing it on you, but you either have a bad game master who's not like reminding you that you are just stuck in a metal body. You know, magnets really love you, or uh, or I don't want to say you're a bad player, but you're a bad player. I mean, there there really is. It's just like the it's just like the the juicer and the and the uh, crazy. They all come with drawbacks. So does yes, juice is gonna die, and crazies crazies be crazy, right? That's all they do. Anyway, these are specific circumstance. Borg OCCs. This is beautiful backstory for your Borg character. Slaves, especially in slaves to people who have industrial businesses, they get outside of their control or choice, get put into a full conversion cyborg body, but the only implants they have help them, I don't know, mine or clear construction debris or whatever. You are a slave and the, your slave master decided you would be more useful. Also, not only be 10% human. Now, what's that going to do to you? Probably going to mess you up in the head. It, it probably is. It's just, that's the way it is. Uh, let's see. As a matter of fact. You kill mostly bags of flesh. Yeah. Or mostly bags of water. That's what it was. Mostly bags of water. Now, there is no, for the mining Borg, there is no minimum mental endurance trait which means 
if you have less than nine or 11 or something like that, I'm probably going to want, Oh, Emmy of 12 mining board, Emmy of 12 or higher. God, that's even worse. The prospecting board. <laughs> prospect. Digging the gold. Or I mean, it came rat. from new West, right? You saw that, yeah. that it came from yeah, new West. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So yeah, minimum of 12, because, uh, if you, you had no choice, right? You're a slave. You you had no choice. You were forced to do this, most likely, which means you have to have a much, much greater mental fortitude than even your average Borg, because now every time you wake up, you're like, oh, yeah, I've been body raped. You know, like you have to live with that. So you have to be a little more centered than the average Borg. So I get that. I get that. Now, not all mining Borgs or construction Borgs are slaves and forced to do it. The hell is his head? His head's right here. It's got horns on it, even. That, that doesn't look like a head. <laughs> well, you don't have to. Is it a You're... slug monster? The slug monster Borg? It looks fine. <laughs> he's got four arms, though. Oh, he's got tracks. I, I'm so in. And, he, I, and he's got tracks, yeah. I want missile it. launchers on one. Yeah. That's <laughs> pretty good. It. This is your cyborg chassis. Now, most Borgs, they, they do the whole bipedal thing. Two arms, two legs, head, torso, all the thing. But you don't have to be stuck doing that no you could be like this dude no man yeah, i want tracks on the bottom unless this or, book changes it though there are some severe drawbacks for having that that kind of oh, suck yeah, oh, and, I, and sure. I really wish they weren't in the game because i think it would actually make those type of borgs more palatable yeah and you know that's the way it is i'm not going to get into it but it's there right so those those are your your occs that have significantly changed because of this book you got you have your cyber doc who if you have any other cybernetic person in your party you want one in your party you want one because they can give you more they can fix it on the excuse me fix it on the cheap because fixing bionics and fixing uh especially bionic armor is expensive then you have your city rat with all your different archetypes all your different flavors you can be the general jack of all trades city rat or you could specialize now information brokering item brokering intelligence brokering spying murder assassination type murder stuff like that you can do all that and then you have your borg partial conversion full conversion mining borg industrial borg combat borg whatever you have lots of flavors and choices now so that's the main part of this book so what do we have for questions so OG Rifts, so this is the time frame thing. So OG earlier, good, good. OG Rifts takes place in 101 PA, Juice Uprising about 105, Tolkien one ended in 109, Mini War started about 110. So this dates uh around the latest books are okay. around 111. I, I said I said a decade or two. I was right. I I, yeah. I, I wish I I wish I narrowed between Well 10 no, and but, but the really point better. was is that that uh yeah. that it is a bit in the future. So yeah, okay. Yeah. Time um, advances. Yeah. Trader Joe is always willing to make a deal. Yeah, well, you got it. It's talking about the for the uh, cyber doc to get some parts. Yep. Um, and then L says, uh, Max turns healing your arm into a fetch quest. If you're a Borg, why not? Yeah. Like, again, as somebody who plays Borg, I would get it. Got to get the parts for it. So, uh, yeah, Doc's got to carry around parts and juicy target APC, right? Like, that is true. If you have a cyber doc, he's if to be to be really useful, he's going to have to have a functional laboratory. And if you're a wandering party, it's got to wander with you. And APC is the only place, the only way to go. 
and it's also a beautiful target for the enemy. So yep. pr protect your APC. So Michael says, uh, one of my favorite characters in Rifts was a pre-Rifts SDC cyborg that was pulled mm -hmm. out of cold storage in, a man in an abandoned military base. Fun to play weak character, like uh, a tough weak character like that. So here's my question for you. Would that... I, I like this conception. I have zero issues with it, and I'm not saying he did anything wrong. There's I'm asking no you, uh, uh, what would this normally be converted, though, through the conversion book? No. Okay. It would not be converted because magic or the levels thereof in the world you're coming from or going to have absolutely no bearing on the physical structure or alloys that your body's made of. So if you come from an SDC world and you're, you're a cyborg, you go into rifts, you're an SDC cyborg, but cyborg armor is easily retrofitted. So you can get MDC armor and slowly over time, you can replace all of your SDC alloys with MDC alloys. Okay. It is possible. Just not right away. All right, there we go. Good question. Um, ben says you love if you love Borgs. You want the Rifts Russia book? I have Mystic Russia because somebody gave that to me many, many Mystic years Russia ago. Yeah. Was that? Yeah, but well, Bob Bob gave me Mystic Russia because you know I well I wouldn't say I was fluent, but yeah, I, I spoke Russian. Uh, I do have the current one, my Christmas package. I do have that on the list. I don't remember where it is in the list, but I do have that on my surprise Christmas package. Uh, so there we go. And somebody else said the Triax book as well. And I think yeah. I have that on my Christmas list. Um, Christmas wish list, if you want to call it. What? City Rack is more cyberpunk? Yes. The, uh, the, the City Rat is... The general City Rat is an item and information broker for the city. He's plugged in to everything the city knows, the city has, the city does. And he is your, he's your information font. Okay. So yeah. There we go. That's all I have. So excellent. Now we have one more video left and the next one is going to be how to use this book. How do you use cybernetics in, in the, in the game? Like if you're facing magic, Right. If you if you want to make a spy, a cybernetic spy, well, ninjas and super spies be damned. We got this book now. And of course, changing into a bionic OCC or uh, getting close, but no cigar. So you don't have to change OCCs. We're going to talk about that, too. All right. All right. Give me a minute. Yep. No problem. One more to go. I don't think we're going to cover comments today. Um, it's been a long time since we've uh, you know, ha had a video that required this. I'm just going to tell Heathen Dog that he should probably just take some time to look at the comments. I've got to answer some as well. Plus, I don't want to go through all the interview ones that we've had on the game-related stuff. So, uh, And I'm not going to lie, I'm really behind on a whole ton of things. So as soon as this is done, I'm going to try to knock this out and hopefully be done before I have to actually go to bed. Okay, this one is, is beyond the purviews of this book. Yeah. Okay, Ma magical cybernetics and, and bio, uh, Splugorth biosystems and stuff like that is not covered in this book. All right, you know what would so, be, be a great topic at some time in the future? I don't think there's a book about it. If there, if there is, correct me if I'm wrong. I would love to know more about Techno Wizards because I've played with two of them and both times everybody complained that Techno Wizards suck. They can't do anything well. And I never played one. I've always been interested in it conceptually, mm -hmm. but people like, oh man, they just, they kind of suck. You don't want to, you don't want to get involved with that. It depends. They are, 
they're they're situational. For example, if you have a techno wizard in a party with also a psionic and a mage, they can use his his techno devices. They can use them. They can power them with ISP and PPE or and or PPE. So they they can use them. You know, uh, a, a a techno wizard can make can alter plastic man armor, which has like 30 MDC to put an armor of Ithan spell on it. So they, they press the Iron Man crystal on their chest and then boom, they have a, they have a magical force field around them, giving them a hundred or more MDC on top of the regular 30 for plastic man. That's awesome. Right. And it works like three times a day. And then you just have to recharge it with some PPE or ISP and you're good to go. You know, it's great, but if you have a techno wizard and he's your only magic in the group, he is severely hampered in that area. Casting regular spells, he can do it, but they suck. They're lower damage, lower lower duration, lower range, everything is lower. So they're bad at straight up magic. But if you have magic in your group, the techno wizard not only augments himself, but he augments them as well. So it makes everybody more, it makes all the magic users and psionic users more combat effective. Okay. All right. Ready when you are. A thingy up. <clears throat> All right, everyone. The third and final look at the Rift's Bionic Source book. Today, we're going to talk about how to use the things in this book in your game, how to introduce all the Bionics and the new rules for those Bionics to your game as seamlessly as possible to make everyone have a good time. The core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural organic inclusion, not forced diversity. Please follow that QR code or refer to the description below for the link to the charity we support, which is the Wounded Warrior Project. Thursdays and Saturdays, you can watch the Dirty Casuals on twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth. Fridays and Sundays, you can watch the Friday Night Chill Stream and RPG Digest on our YouTube and Rumble channels. Please leave us a comment with your thoughts and experiences, and if you like our gaming content, please be sure to subscribe to Legion of Myth. All right, moving on to how to use this in your campaign. Well, first we have to look at some of the new or expanded rules on how to use Cybernetics and Bionics, and this one right here is control practitioners of magic how does cybernetics and bionics counter yeah. your enemy's magic in your game well there there's ways the cs does it and there's ways that other oh, people do it and the cs one is pretty pretty bad the coalition states were the first though certainly not the only to develop and use cybernetics as countermeasures to magic these cybernetic and mechanical devices are specifically designed to limit, control, or completely neutralize a practitioner of magic's ability to use magic anyway. Think of this. You have taken prisoner, a 15th level leyline walker. Right now, he's drugged and unconscious. But the moment he wakes up, he's going to be a problem. Going to be a problem. How do you fix that problem? You cut off both his arms and replace them with the cheapest cybernetic garbage you can. Guess what? No more magic. No more magic. Give it a PS. Way, of five. These are all game master tips and tricks due to your players. Yes. yes. <laughs> give him a give him a PS of five and a PP of five. SDC only. They're garbage. Might as well give him hooks for hands. Now he can't use magic. 
at all. He's neutralized. Okay, let's see here. Uh, these countermeasures are typically reserved for known magic wielders taken into custody or interrogation or in prison for more than 12 or 48 hours. So anything but short-term detention, they, they got to nerf you. It's bad. The use of cybernetic countermeasures to magic was uncommon and little known until the coalition's brutal campaign against the magical kingdom of Tolkien. Today, in the year 109, oh, it's 109. 109, here. hey, there we go. There it is. <laughs> The use of cybernetics as a means to contain and neutralize practitioner magic is much more widely known and being used by the CS, Free Quebec, Wiccan, and even the Federation of Magic against rival mages. This has also led to their appearance at some body chop shops, though anti-magic countermeasures are rarely offered on the market for now. Now, you don't have to go as bad as cutting off the guy's arms. Eh. You can replace his jaw or, <laughs> That's or not his worse. eyes. Or whatever. You can replace his eyes with cybernetic eyes that are worse than real eyes as a as a funny. And they're they're guess what? Two eyes, two augmentations, no magic. Oh. That sucks. But yeah, there it is. Years ago, the coalition military intelligence discovered that cybernetic implants have a damaging effect in the practice. We already talked about this. The CS uses simple implants to reduce the source of PPE by half and prevent the mage from drawing upon PPE from other sources, including blood sacrifice and lines. Since mechanical implants also reduce all forms of magical healing by half, their usage keeps magic using prisoners in a weakened and more manageable state. Any pair of cybernetic implants or bionic mechanisms will, uh, will do, but these used on prisoners are intentionally debilitating. Like I said, PS of five, me, I've got toddler arms. Yeah, you do. Well, the, the eyes thing is great because Yo, you know, look at him. Look at him. I'm a magic using elf. <gasps> no, <laughs> two cybernetic arms. Whoops. You're See, done. I, I like the eyes because the arms, eh. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's debilitating, but eyes, you're never going to want to give them up because you are going to want to be able to see we're, we're creatures of sight. Sure. So you're, what are you going to replace them with? You can either well, actually, be a blind wizard or you can... Uh... Yeah, yeah. I mean, both ways you have to choose, right? Yep. If you got the crappiest arms on the market, you got toddler arms, 10 SDC, 5 strength, 5, five physical prowess. Okay, great. Now you can't use magic, but if you take off your arms, you can use magic now, but now you have no arms, dummy. Some with And with, with some spells, you need to use your hands. <laughs> now, eyes... Great, you can see, but you can't use magic. Take out your eyes, you're blind. Well, a lot of magic you still can't use because you can't target anything. And people just in general, unless you know they're not thinking like a, a, a character anymore and just like numbers on a character sheet, you want to be able to see. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Cybernetic countermeasures to magic. Biocomp monitor. This is part and parcel to a juicer. But to a to a magic user oh, oh this is death half dozen implants that monitor the body of the prisoner and transmit the data to a handheld computer monitor the implants show vital psych uh, physiological statistics including respiration heart rate whatever this information is especially important to interrogators using drugs and our torture to determine how punishment the victim can endure without actually killing him no bioconc implants are used on soldiers pilots and other personnel for medical and combat purposes but you can not only limit his magic with this one implant, but also know exactly what he's thinking because not only it, it, 
it monitors all of your biological functions, which means it is a perfect lie detector device. And they know exactly how much waterboarding you can take before you die. The monitor will tell them. So it makes torture very efficient. Awesome. Uh, language translator, uh, this, this DB doesn't speak English. Well, he does now. <laughs> <laughs> now you can properly interrogate him because we speak the same language. Lockjaw. This is a cybernetic implant that takes control of the jaw muscles to lock them tight and render the victim unable to open his mouth and speak clearly. Some spells have a verbal component. Don't most spells have a verbal component? You, you Now you can't use those. Or you have a spell that allows you to speak any language. That's great. If you can't move your jaw, have fun with that. Optic blinder. I've got eyes that someone can shut off whenever they want. Damn it. Hey, it's like me in real life. There you go. Pain inflictor. Oh, God, this is beautiful. You put an implant on the vagus nerve or on the spinal cord or whatever, and someone can press a button and cause you unbearable amount of pain. Oh, I'm sorry. It's bearable now because it bypasses all of your normal human uh, human or, or DB responses of, say, passing out. No, you don't get to do that. No sleepy time. It's interrogation time. I love that necromancer. See, this is why necromancers are awesome. Just that first paragraph. That's all that matters. Oh, yeah. Necromancers can remove the bionic hand or arm and replace it with the human or monstrous limb of a corpse. However, they can only do this for themselves, not I'm other. okay with that. I'm a necromancer. <laughs> okay. That's good. That's good. You still got to escape first. So, you know, oh, yeah. and plus they have a prisoner ID chip and a tracker implant. So <laughs> good luck. Good luck getting out. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, then it gives a, a terrible instrumentation of torture is the white noise generator implant. I'm not going to get into that. So this is all torture and prisoner control, right? This is what it's for. You would never expect the coalition to, to use such equipment though, right? Oh no, never. That's awful. No, they do it all the time. That's dumb. Dumb not to use it because now we have containment body armor. See this guy? He looks really protected, right? <laughs> that looks like a medieval torture. Yeah, man, because it is. Here, the CS has learned that suits of armor interfere with magic and spellcasting abilities of most practitioners of magic. If you look up the magic OCCs, they they have reduced magical ability the more armor they have on. The more in, in between them and the target, the more minuses they have to damage, range, duration, whatever, depending on the spell. So what they do is, they put a giant suit of armor around them <laughs> and link up the limbs so they can't run for it, basically shackle them as well. Mm -hmm. And now they, they can't do crap, but, but, but scuttle along behind you and say, yes, sir. No, sir. It's basically it. Uh, mouth wraps, gags, and blindfolds. <laughs> Just picturing the red ball in somebody's mouth. And here we go. Here's some Russian cybernetics. I'm not going to get into all the specially Russian oh. Japanese cybernetics. Remember, does that, this, does that this, send you back in time? No, no. This book comes after the Russia world book and the, and the Japan world book. So it, it's meant to replace those as well. And these are, these are your flavor cybernetics and bionics specifically for those regions, which is great. But what if in your campaign, you're not so much worried about 
uh, stopping magic users or keeping them prisoner or whatever. You're worried about what you want to do. What you what? Uh, what if I don't want to be a combat board? What if I want to be a spy? Well, you can do that too, right? Sure. Black market specialty cybernetics. Beacon with hair antenna? What? A small transmitter implanted under the scalp with an antenna that looks exactly like one of the hairs of the user. To activate, a Morse code-like password is tapped with the teeth. Just like that. A slight tingling sensation indicates it is on. The beacon not only transmits the user's location up to 10 miles away, but using teeth tapping code, they can also relay information from the user. Mm. Climb cord. Similar to a garrote with its 10-foot length of 500-pound test cord, no thicker than string, can be pulled out of an artificial wrist or arm. The cord is primarily used by thieves and city rats for prowling and climbing around. It's kind of like a, a, a very uh, considerably shorter uh, battering hook thing, and that's basically it. Cyber armor. This is unique lightweight armor. It gives no prowl penalty. It gives no uh, running penalty. But it uh, it gives very, very little in the way of protection. And so much so that it has an armor rating like a cyber knight. It doesn't give full coverage. It gives partial coverage to make it so flexible and universal. It has less MDC and they can just shoot around it. Right? So it's not something you want to count on, but it's something you might want. Cyber disguise. This was fun. A complete cybernetic disguise system built into the face. Bladders placed under the skin and even bionic bones and light superstructures that can move, expand, contract, or change shape enable the recipient of this enhancement to change the shape and look of his face. I would be poking it too much. Exactly. Yeah, you're poking (laughs) it too much. Yeah, that's the way it is. But if if you want to be a spy and you're spying in, uh, in races that look similar enough to you, like it wouldn't work if you're a human and you want to spy in an, in an oak in an ogre encampment. It's not going to work out. You can't turn yourself into ogre. You can alter the shape of your face to look like a different human being or possibly an elf. But other than that, no, this is not going to work out. Uh, DNA analyzer, finger segments that that's for like a either a secret compartment in the fingers, or you can take off a finger at the knuckle and throw it as a mini grenade. That's, that's completely doable too. Finger camera, uh, knuckle spikes, finger gun. I got a finger laser. It's only to do one D four damage, but it's mega damage, right? So yeah. It still shoots through schools. Finger Jack. That's plugging into a, a computer. Uh, bionic and MDC knuckle spikes. Those are ones that do MDC damage. They, they probably vibrate of some way, probably a vibro knuckle blade or whatever. Uh, wrist or palm needle, uh, black market bionics, you know, chop shops. If you, if you go to, okay, now, now we're getting into getting them installed, you know, in, in the black market, which no, I, can, can we look at a couple of the side effects? Cause I think, you know, we were talking about this, what in the first video, Okay, yeah, where, do where it's, we don't well, go through them all, but this is right. the conce- concept that it, it's not always a freebie. Stuff could go wrong. Now, yeah. if you if you go to a black market cybernetic shop, there there's going to be a higher chance of failure or problems because they probably don't have all the procedures that a, that a more professional above board place would have and they may or may not be using used bionic equipment. And by used I mean uh the last guy died on the table and, and they just uh ransacked his 
existing cybernetics. We, we call that refurbished in the biz. Refurbished. That's it. Refurbished. <laughs> yes. So here's the problem. You go to a chop shop, roll on the expanded table for side effects every time an implant or bionic item is installed or repaired at a disreputable body chop shop, which is easily one third to half of all chop shops. <laughs> disreputable. If it is illegal in your area, it is disreputable. Oh, sorry. So one to 20%, eh, you're fine. It's all good. You're good. 21 to 40, minor but unnecessary scarring. Will heal with little trace within three to six weeks, but your physical beauty is reduced by 1d4 points. Now, I am not going to do this up to the GM, right? If you had a heart transplant and he scarred up your chest, your physical beauty, unless you can see your chest, is not going to be affected by that. Come on. Really? Use some common sense. Maybe he maybe he dropped the 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 exacto knife on your face, slid across. And... Okay, no, well, I'm, if I'm, he does I'm, that, I'm he's, he's not he's not going to survive five minutes after me waking up. Forty-one to forty-five percent neurological or chemical side effect. The subject of the cybernetic enhancement surgery suffers from dizziness and headache for two to six weeks after the installation. Penalties are minus four in initiative, minus 5% of all skills, and reduced speed by 10%. There's nothing that can be done to fix this other than wait until it passes. For two to six weeks, you have these minuses across the board. After that, and you're a, fine. And a good game master will not hand wave that time. No, That's no. when you make something happen. Now, you don't do it to kill the player, but no. you do it to make i said player you don't do it to kill the character but you definitely do it to put the character in a precarious situation that makes that drawback meaningful now if the character does die during that then the character dies during that but you don't do it with the intent to kill the character you just do it with with the intent to make sure he understands what he's done and he might think about not going to a disreputable chop shop in the future uh, 46 to 50 permanent and unnecessary scarring reduce PB attribute by one point. Okay. 51 to 60, a specific non-life-threatening implant or bionic part malfunctions on a regular basis. <laughs> so the first 50% of your role is not great, but you're going to push through it or being a little ugly is not a big thing for you. Chicks dig scars, whatever, right? But at 51 and higher is where we get into the, oh, shiz, you're boned. It's just what level of boned are you? Well, at least it's, this one's not life-threatening. Right. At this level, you're just, you're just general low-level boned. This means the long-range listening capabilities of the amplified ear can fail. Or the range is halved or there is interference, a <laughs> swishing or crackling sound, whatever. It's up to the game master to tell you exactly how it permanently and consecutively and consistently fails you like uh was it uh was it hicks in aliens bang his head on the wall there you go instead of being oh, yeah, the helmet yeah. though camera, banged his camera got it got it working right yeah instead, okay. of, instead of the helmet that's him right. <laughs> but remember this is very important as a game master you still have to maintain some level of benefit to this implant it still has to be useful or else the or else the minus doesn't matter. Right. If they don't use it because it's broken so much that it's not useful to them, you broke it too much. Yep. Has to be broken just enough so they're pissed off about it. But <laughs> they still use replaced, it. But yeah, but they still use it. Yep. 61 to 70. 
a vital prosthetic organ, weapon, or bionic piece of equipment periodically malfunctions. Not all the time now. Periodically. Reduce its ability, speed, bonuses, range, and or damage by half for 1d6 minutes. Not melee rounds. Not melee action. I got a heart minutes. transplant. This isn't good. Well, no, it, your your heart isn't going to stop, but it's going to beat too slowly or too quickly for 1d6 minutes, which means you're going to be lightheaded or pass out on the slow end, or you're going to, you're going to be hyper itchy and sweaty and whatever on the high end, you're going to be minuses to, to, uh, all skills for a little while because you're all amped up or you're going to be, you're going to be minuses to initiative because your, your blood's not flowing properly. It's going too slow, stuff like that. Minus one to strike minus one, whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's whatever you choose, but it's for one D six minutes randomly, randomly. So you as a game master, get behind your screen, roll it. Oh, bad heart day today. <laughs> 71 to 80, faulty hardware. Hardware. Prosthetics are a bit stiff, reduce PP on that unit by one. Implants and sensors are not quite up to full efficiency, reduce ranges, everything by 10%. Tarting system may be off. It gives oh. a it, it gives a minus one to strike, disarm, and or minus well, one on initiative. It, it says so maybe either gives off. no bonuses <laughs> yeah. or an added minus which sucks yep faulty hardware chronic stiffness same thing as above but more minuses yep. chronic weapon problem slight hesitation before firing damn it that would piss me off think about it you're aiming you're aiming you're aiming fire one one thousand two one thousand bam fuck and you <laughs> miss right it's awful it's awful that could happen to you and if you roll a 96 or higher, chronic pain, reduce PE by one point, SDC by one D4, permanently permanent penalty unless 50% or more of the cybernetic or bionic components of the character are removed. This was a, a mess up so bad, it screwed half of your other components as well. This is when you wake up, nobody's around the lights are off there's a couple of just diagnostic machines maybe still beeping you're all alone what happened they're they're everybody has left the city <laughs> behind bulletproof glass oh no they, they've left the entire area they've, left, they've, they've already drove the building yeah they're 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 100 miles away talking to you through through a camera and a microphone and, and a megaphone because it went bad and uh they don't want to tell you so yes this can happen, can happen. Now, our last thing we want to talk about is switching from one OCC to a bionic one. Here we go. Okay. Let's, let's assume that Benny, the Leyline Walker really wants bionics and has the money to get them. Benny's dumb. Okay. Give him the bionics. He is now a partial or full cyborg and effectively a Borg OCC, regardless of his original OCC. He only gets the bionics and mechanical powers of the Borg. Any magical power, spell casting, or special OCC abilities of Leyland Walker from his previous life are gone, destroyed by the bionic conversion. Meanwhile, OCC skills are frozen at whatever level of proficiency they had been at the time of switching. Old OCCs and magic related skills, not necessarily to the current. OCC quickly become rusty. Redu oh, this, this one's new. Reduce skill proficiency by one quarter after six months and half after two years. Yeah, I can see that because you're not using it. Exactly. But for lower skills, I would say no. That doesn't make any sense. 
like vampire. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can hope, again, the, the rules don't have to be, you know, yeah. for every specific instance. You're, you're the game master, you can do what you want. And I kind of agree with Heathen Dog on that one. You know, uh, unless you've just decided, I'm never reading a book again or something, I don't yeah. see why you would lose all of those. But, you know, yeah. look, to be yeah. fair, though, I used to be deep into the occult in terms of knowledge. 20 years ago, I could have told you all types of stuff. Uh, now, I don't remember a lot of that. So even lore skills can yeah, go it. after time. So. How about this? How about this? As a, as a table rule, I would say if you don't use the skill at least one time in six months, yeah. then you get it. And, and again, this is, this is really pedantic stuff. You, you don't yeah, have to yeah, do yeah, any yeah, of this. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That's, that's just me. Skills duplicated by the new cyborg OCC remain frozen at the old level proficiency until the character as a cyborg OCC reaches the same level as your old OCC, and then your skill will progress. For example, let's say the cyborg OCC gives you native language at 40%, but you were level five in the your old OCC, which gave you native, lang native language at plus 40%, but you went up five levels. So it's actually higher. You have that highest value, but it will not go up until you surpass the level of your old OCC. That makes sense. Yeah. So if you had, if you were a fifth level Leyland Walker and you had literacy at 85%, as a first level Borg, you have literacy at 40%. I don't know exactly, that's just throwing out yeah. there. You will have literacy of that language at 80% or 84, whatever it was of your old OCC until, un, until you surpass the level as a Borg and then it'll start moving up again. But you know, until then it's not bad, right? You have the higher value. You're not start with the lower value. That would be stupid. <laughs> Remember all psionic and magic abilities are gone. This is permanent. You're only a brain and a spinal cord. Now you have to actually get, a full body clone to put you in and not, I can count on one hand, the amount of places on earth that that can be done. And half of them don't like humans very much. <laughs> so they're not going to do it for you anyway. Uh, why can't mortal practitioners of magic get bionics? Okay. Minor bionic or cybernetic augmentation, such as two or three implants or a single bionic limb, an entire arm and hand, leg and foot, etc will reduce every aspect of the character's psionic and or magic abilities by half, including range, duration, damage, whatever. It will also prevent the character from drawing upon other sources of PPE besi or, or besides themselves. Leyline walkers can use ley lines. Uh, when you, you, you can, a leyline walker can actually suck PPE from someone else and use it. Not anymore. A single bionic system will stop that. Anything more than three implants or two, if they're sizable, or a single limb will completely negate the character's magic or psionic potential. This is, that's the way it is, man. Remember, I, I said it before in the last video. I say it again. If you want to, if you want to completely nerf a, a, a wizard or a psionic, <laughs> give him a bionic arm, a really crappy one. You know, for no. people who complain about that stuff, like, uh, you know, it doesn't make sense. You know, two things. Number one, it's a common trope throughout all of gaming that armor or metal or magic or human worked items, whatever you want to call it, interfere with magic because magic is natural. It's fey, et cetera, et cetera. So one, just accept that it's part of the trope. 
Uh, two, yes, there's a game balance issue with that. You don't want a full conversion cyborg who is also the equivalent of a ley line walker. It just, you know, that might sound neat, might make for a great DB, but it doesn't make for a great game. But I, I hear people complain about that all the time. Doesn't make sense. I can't cast spells and armor. Doesn't make sense. I, you know, it's it's all knowledge and esoteric yada yada. So I should be able to do it whether I'm in a cyborg body or not. Now, in Rift's Earth, the physics, the quantum physics, whatever you want to call it, of Rift's Earth says. No, you wrap your skull with a big metal helmet, you're going to have problems. That's just the way it is. Sorry, suck it up, Trump. All right, now, converting a juicer and a crazy. They're the only people who might die because their, their nervous system is so used to the augmented state of being, the 24-7 augmented state of being, that when you take away these implants or drugs, their body could just die. Their brain could just collapse and be over. They have to roll six times. Jesus. To save versus coma and death and succeed three out of those six times with a minus 30% penalty. Now, now, wait, hang on, hang on. Before you say anything, juicers and crazies usually have really high PE. So these rolls are going to be pretty easy, even with the minus 30. Well, not as easy, but... Not as hard as you think, even with the minus 30. And all you really have to do to bet you're going to win is have a 50% chance to succeed in any single roll. All you need is three out of six. So you need a 50% success rate. You'll probably do it. I don't want a crazy Borg. <laughs> I, you just gave this nutcase the one thing that was his weakness because even though crazies would wear armor they're still flesh and blood themselves yeah now uh, you just encased him in a metal shield of here's here's your problem crazies are lost forever however he retains all of his insanities and will be terribly yes. disturbed that his special powers have been stripped away oh my god he's still insane yes yeah Yes, the damage is permanent. The Don't wrap him up in mega damage shielding. Getting, the only thing you've stopped him from doing is getting crazier. <laughs> really? I don't know. That implies that he says it's going to be disturbed that his special powers were stripped away. I don't know. I think that might even be one more insanity right there. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. And it gives you rules of thumb for a bionic conversion. And then a cyborg physical beauty beauty modifier. That's if you have, you know, if you did screw up, get, get these minor scarring, whatever, this is what it does, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, repairing bionics. We don't have to, we don't need to get into that. This is all, this is all fine. That but, is basically, it's good to know that you can. Yes, you can. You can. That's, that's basically the bionic source book, right? If you watch all three videos, that's basically now, of course there's more in it. There's nuance, stuff like that, but we don't need mm -hmm. to get into here. You these understand the basic and the gist of it. So what do we have for comments? All right. Uh, going back up to here, uh, Legion Myth, been really enjoying all the Palladium Rifts coverage. Keep up the good work. See, this is what I'm saying. We are going to do something else next year, but people don't, I've, I'm telling you, there will be a revolt if you stop doing these overviews. I guess. Again, uh, for those who missed the beginning part of the stream, or who are just watching this video, um, you can come to our Discord and tell us your thoughts on that, because like I said, I was going to change some things up for next year, but if you're really insistent that we need to keep doing deep dives of whatever game and he keeps doing you know, uh, overviews, overviews of like 80 to 90% Palladium, let us know in our Discord. Otherwise, I've got other plans, but you know, some people are like, no, those are bad plans. Don't do that. 
played a techno wizard for years. He was the most versatile guy in the party. Whenever we came to some weird, hard to bypass problem, he was our go-to guy. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, mixing magic and technology gives you uh, gives you more tools in your toolbox, gives you greater versatility. I understand that, and I get it. Absolutely, a lot of people don't utilize the techno wizard uh, properly, but those that can. Yeah, they, they find out he's a he's a little bit of a Swiss Army knife. I get it. I, I've I've tried a couple of times and I've always been talked out of it by the game master. I, you know what? Uh, that that means he didn't want to deal with it. Okay. And I I get that too. I get that too. You know, uh, the game master can tell you what OCCs you can and cannot play in his campaign. That's fair. Uh, violence loves everything. Eyes are fun. Not only magic use impaired, but if vision is bad, good luck targeting the spell. Yes exactly yeah uh, even if, even if you don't take away all his magic if you give him severe myopic vision huh, good luck buddy yeah it's it a is. word i always forget myopic i'm so severely myopic that you think i would have how that do you, just... how do you forget it's so bad you you you, you can't even see your own vocabulary it's crazy. <laughs> there you go says finger getting just another reason not to trust somebody who says pull my finger that's a good one that's legit. Yes. I had to give them the never <laughs> ever play that game with a Borg ever. <laughs> Cause there are lots of jokes happening in chat, but this is the one that, uh, okay, that one's worth putting up on the screen. That one's good. We'll have two in a row here from Michael says uh, mining Borg from new West is criminally underrated. Oh, I would, I would agree with you. The problem is, is we hate new West so much that I can't remember what's in there. Yeah. I don't really care. The, the, the mining Borg is really only to give yourself an awesome backstory. That's I don't know really that that drill is pretty cool. The drill is cool, yes, but it's also only really cool in very specific situations. Dr lobotomizing people, very specific situation. <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, track cyborgs are defeated by stairs and narrow hallways. I think he's no, like behind no, on, on. No. The 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 track cyborgs the the one I, I'm not going to show the picture, but uh, the the uh, uh, triangle version of it or. or yeah, triangle version of the track system that's easily movable and can go upstairs and stuff. There, there, there is going to be some that can't jump, right? You have to have jetpack to jump. But if there are stairs, you get up it. Uh, on the on the flip side, the good side of it is if there's rubble terrain, I actually think he'd be able to traverse it better than oh, yeah. somebody with legs. Yeah. yeah, I mean, sure, uh, he's defeated by a narrow hallway. Fair, but where where you're defeated by by lots of rubble, he just kind of zooms over it. Um, I'm wondering if Michael's behind, like watching this in DVR mode because he was responding to things that we'd been talking about like 20 minutes prior. So when you get it's to this, Michael, possible. it's entirely possible. Yeah. Uh, and finally, Phil H, uh, I would go the opposite with physical skills. You should take a penalty while you get used to the skill and then get it back as you get comfy with the mods. That is, that is a really good house sense. rule. I like that, but I would still have a, a permanent minor like minus five percent to tactile skills because you don't have as much sensory input as you used to you've gotten used to the less as much as you can so maybe they start off at negative 15 after six months go to negative 10 after you go to negative five but negative five is the base i, I, I can see that i, can I see think that. in this one though i don't think he's talking about the tactile touch i think he's talking about just physical skills like getting used to your your arms and legs that you just got oh, maybe oh. maybe like when you grab like as a borg you get what probably two more weapon proficiencies than what you had 
previously. I would actually at the same time for story purposes, for lack of a better term, I would do that as well. I would say, hey, you didn't just wake up all of a sudden. Now you got two new weapon proficiencies. You've got to take uh, take some time to learn them either through training or OJT as you're shooting some things up, you know, with that skill. I, I'd yeah, probably do sure. something similar. At the same time, remember, folks, this is a cinematic game. style game. It's a game. You want to flow. Yeah. So we don't have to do everything as a simulation. So. All right, uh, so TMNT next on you prepare for the Kickstarter? Probably not. I mean, I might do some things for uh, for TMNT on its uh, on its own, uh, but uh, no, uh, I'll still be covering Forbidden Lands next week, and I don't know what he's covering. He'll tell me later on this week, but uh, I mean, I'm sure we'll have some things with TMNT, just not directly related to this. So, oops. All right, uh, you want to uh, finish up the the segment? Yeah, that uh, that's it, and. There, there, there's more to using this book in your campaign than I've obviously than I've shown here. It's, it's a much larger section has much more, you know, caveats and addendums to it. So read through the whole thing, pick and choose what you want to use in your campaign at your table and make sure everyone knows this is what you're using and this is what you're not. So everyone's on the same page and you're going to have a good time. All right. What was that? I'm going to make a techno wizard Borg. <laughs> they actually have that. Uh, Do they really? A, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's South America. I think the, the, the South America source book has a, has a uh, techno wizard Borg hybrid thing, but it's like a monster mecha monster or something like that, or hunter or something. I forget. So violence solves everything actually said, and this is something that I've, I've kind of picked up on over time. He's a techno wizard with a, a core book. Yeah, he said there's tons of great devices, ideas, but they're scattered bits and pieces throughout many of the books. So I think they, you know having a consolidated techno wizard source book could be a good thing. That would be. I could I I could see that. And uh, what's DB Seven Megaverse Builder? Oh, I have that one. I actually have that book. Huh? Oh, good. Um, oh, that's uh, one of these is it. Yeah, I have that book. As I was studying, you know, to do, uh, to write my stuff for my so, uh, space opera thing, that was one of the uh, books that I got, I think, in last year's Christmas package. Last year's Christmas, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> that's, that's where I got the Bionics book, last year's Christmas pack. So, I mean, well, again, it's up to him. I don't, I, I don't make him do any one book or another, and sometimes he wants to do things that are outside the scope of riffs, too. I, I know <laughs> you guys love your riffs, and that's great. Uh and, and know you know that. what? I there I got a lot of books and there are a lot of more books out there. So it's not like I'm going to run out of material. Right. But every once in a while, I like to change it up and do something else besides riffs, besides palladium, you know, it's like something else. After T-shirted historian had uh, a couple of the original creators of vampire, the masquerade on his show yesterday. Mm -hmm. It really made me think about, I'd love to see you do another collab with Adam from the mages podcast. Because that that one didn't go as smoothly as it could have gone, and I think that you guys could have a better conversation. Uh, even if I had to step out for the entire thing, you guys just did your own stuff, whatever. Uh, I I I'd like to see that because I because I think Mage is a game that you and I both like. Yes. Uh, there were people who definitely were interested in watching watching that, and I thought that he was a really good resource for that. But he is. I mean, he's he's almost encycl encyclopedic about yeah. uh, behind the scenes for the from the people, the creators, the publishers. 
and uh, he's he's uh, has an amazing grasp of the rules and mechanics. So yeah, excellent. Excellent. Yeah, th- once again, Walter, this should be probably more Heathen Dog than me. I don't like most of World of Darkness. And and, and I played a lot of Vampire, probably played Vampire more than anything, but I did it as more of a, eh, that's what everybody was playing what at the time. Playing, I gotta jump in. Yeah. I don't, I mean, Vampire, I get, I don't like Werewolf. I think Changeling's stupid. Uh, Wraith has a neat concept to it. I really thought it was neat, but... Eh. So if, I can... If I, if I, I, can I wanted to wiggle. play Ghost, you know, I would... I would do it somewhere else, you know, like that's the way it is. I wouldn't know. With that said though, again, you know, we've, uh, that doesn't rule everything off the table, but uh, yeah, uh, definitely uh, a old school mage, not the, not the current stuff, but I thought, anyway, I thought that that uh, interview that uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Teacher and historian had with him. What I thought was cool and we'll wrap. I'm not going to do comments today. What I thought was cool about it is he had two of the creators on and it was almost like you and me. Okay. How so? Uh oh, he froze. He froze. People, Max is frozen. Am I back? I can. There you are. Now you're back. Yeah, okay. okay. Now I'm back. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing Last the. Thing you said was, oh, is almost like you and me. Yeah, I see the network icon going badly. Um, almost like you and me, where one of them is, you know, kind of like me, more, a little right wing libertarian ish type person. The other one was, a, we'll call him a normal lefty. Like, he, like he considered himself progressive, but he didn't have woke talking points. Let's just put it that way, right? And I and I kind of see that's you know similar to us. I thought Functional that was neat. human brain. Got it. Yeah. Okay. I thought that was neat because a lot of people think that vampires just as weird, progressive nonsense, whatever, but no, not everybody involved with it was, was that way. It was just type of world. Now, my, now my point in saying that is uh, it just made me think about, about how much we did like mage and we found stuff that we didn't like and removed it or just downplayed it. Cause it didn't matter. Right. Uh, and we found stuff that we really liked, but the magic system is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it can be intimidating for a new game master, but, but uh, when, once once a player gets gets a hang of the magic system, oh man, they can do anything, yeah. anything. And and I look at stuff like Besham. I, I received a few comments, not too many, but a few comments. Uh, Did you know that he's a commie from Canada? Yes, I knew he was a commie from Canada. <laughs> you know, and yes, I know that there. I had somebody write a message saying, "Well, I was going to buy his book, but then you then you showed." Uh, uh, what what was it that I showed? Um, oh my god. Uh the character the the character. Oh, we talked about the 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 character with the the gender pronoun thing, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I did that on a Friday night. And it's like, dude, if look, I get it. I understand. I'm not saying you're making a bad decision because I might make the same decision even though I have a lot of the books. But it, Mark, that's why I was very open when Mark came on and said, you can take that out. His, the first thing line, his, his, uh, his statement, his like rules of role playing for his book is if you don't like it, remove it. Unlike those people who are here saying you must do this. The coyote and crow weirdos, the thirsty sword, lesbian weirdos, the people who was it evil hat or whatever it is that does uh, call Cthulhu, but has a full page disclaimer in there about how they hate Lovecraft. They don't give you the option, so to speak. You're an adult. You have the option, but but they want they know you do it our way. Or you're a bad person. Mark doesn't do that. Mark says use what you want. So yeah, ideally you would want to buy a book that doesn't even insert these things in in the first place. Yes, ideally, yes. And I would go for those game systems first. 
But if it, if you can't find a game system that that is written like that, that you can use or that fits your vision, well, you may have to go to something else and just, you know, you bought the book, right? All you got to do now is buy a marker and go. I've <laughs> literally done that to some Earth Dawn yeah. books. Yeah. So, anywho. All right. I don't have anything. I will call that the words of wisdom unless you had something yeah. you want to no, say. I'm not going through comments. Good. Like I said, I got a bunch of stuff to do. Um, ladies and gentlemen of the jury here, uh, I do appreciate everybody being here. Uh, remember, as we get closer to 5,000 subscribers, we're going to have that giveaway. On Friday is members only. I don't plan on having one after the fact, but you never know. I've I've only <laughs> successfully done that twice. Uh, oh, I thought it was only once. No, twice now. Twice. Oh, twice I, I, yeah, twice I've successfully not had a, a public yeah, stream after. Two years. That's fantastic. Has it been two years I've been doing the Friday chill stream? Almost. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, because it started in October. You're right. Jeez. Yep. Um, so and then next week again, Forbidden Lands and whatever he decides to do, stay tuned to our Discord. Please post on our Discord what the ideas that you have for us. Like, again, next year, the plan was to do more how to's. I can't fit in all of them. I just can't fit in everything. I don't have the time for it. Do you want us to continue this deep dive and overview format? Do you want us to do overviews and how tos? You want us to do deep dives and, and how tos? What do you want? Let us know on the discord. And with that, um, yeah, I've got nothing else. I hope each and every one of you has a wonderful week.